guys. Here we go. Saturday, June 3rd, 2023. BK here. Yet another week in a row coming to you guys back in San Diego once again. Back from that road trip I had, you guys probably, if you follow me on Instagram at BK Actual or Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual, probably saw me rolling through the Southwest. Ended up doing about 2,300 miles in that road trip. Went through, let's see, Flagstaff, Albuquerque, Pueblo, Denver, Estes Park in Colorado, where the uh, beautiful, magnificent, majestic Rocky Mountain Park is. And then kind of back to Denver. And then uh, from Denver to Moab, spent a few days out there mountain biking. And uh, then back to Flagstaff and back to San Diego. So here I am once again. Uh, Good to be coming at you guys. A little warning here. I think because of maybe the constant dry air and then back to the humidity, I have a horrific cough. I even debated not doing the podcast today. Uh, So I will do my best. I decided, no, you guys need to get this. You guys need to get the news. I need to get through it. Um, and I will attempt to, you know, cover the mic and do all that stuff. Hopefully I don't hack it up too bad, but guys, you got to give it up for the tenacity, the perseverance, fighting through adversity. That's what I always preach to you guys, especially young people. You got to fight through adversity. You got to tough it out. That's what I'm doing here. That's why you got to go to the Patreon and go to BK Actual. Come on, give it up for God's last week on the road in Pueblo with the ghetto podcast rig and the freeway hotel this week battling the dry cough it's really unbelievable you guys so that's what i'm talking about and uh let's go ahead and start and uh you might get where do you guys think i'm starting with big story yes it would be india we got to talk about this crazy train crash that happened i mean we're talking we're talking almost 300 people is the current death toll right 288 confirmed And it might go higher than that. So what happened here? Well, this happened when a passenger train derailed and struck two other trains in eastern India. So I'm going to kind of backdate it a few days, just the basic information, and I'll give you the updates, okay? Now, this is a, a train disaster whose toll is exceptionally large, even by India's standard, who has, and I've covered several of them in the past, a long history of deadly crashes. So this particular crash was in the state of Odisha. It's shocked India. Oh, by the way, India is now the world's most populous country. I think I told you that several years ago. They did bypass China. And it renews all these questions that have been going on for many years about safety problems in India's rail system. That, by the way, transports more than 8 billion passengers a year. Now, India has invested a lot in the system in recent years. But, I mean, we're talking decades of neglect. So, uh, in addition to the at least 288 dead, we have almost 1,000 other people who have been injured, and no doubt some of them bad, and no doubt some of them uh, will die. Now, I'm looking like kind of an overhead uh, animation of this train, and it appears to be that the... Uh, I'm try- I don't know which one was going first... But the train itself was made up with a majority of passenger cars on one side. And then the about, I'd say, maybe a third of the train was freight cars. And the passenger cars... Oh, no, you know what it was? Okay, as I was, as I was. These are two separate trains. 
that's what happened. And that's why I have to give you the update because they're just now doing an investigation, releasing some of the details. So let me, let me get to that uh, quickly though. So this state, let me give you some of the background. It's home to about 45 million people. Uh, this is India's worst rail disaster in two decades. I'll give you some comparables in a moment. They mobilized, you know, the army air force, National Disaster Response Forces, Prime Minister Narendra Modi is on the ground. And so what happened was the crash occurred when several cars of the train derailed and collided with a second train in Balasore District. The train's operator is Southeastern Railway. They put that out in a statement. And there may have even been a third train Involved. Uh, so let me just hit a live updates page here and uh, see what we can get to. Yes, Modi has been killed. Modi has, I'm sorry, Modi has visited the train site. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at pictures of this and it is unreal. They've got, I'm looking at the New York Times website and it just looks like somebody took like a pile of train cars and just threw them on the ground together. Yeah, so right now, as of 12 minutes ago, as I come to you guys, uh, by the way, I don't think I said the time. It's, it's 11.35 a.m. right now on Saturday. They're investigating signal failure as a possible cause of the crash. So the chief public relations officer for the aforementioned Southern Eastern Railways confirmed reports that a preliminary inquiry had indicated that the crash was likely caused by a problem in the signaling system. But of course, they need to do a thorough investigation. So the passenger train was some sort of high-speed train. Here are the updated details. Traveling from Kolkata. It was called the Coromandel Express. It collided with a freight train, okay, just cargo, that had been just chilling, idling basically, at a small town station called Bahanaga Bazaar. This is around 7 p.m. local time. The passenger train was going at full speed across the station because it wasn't scheduled to stop there. I'm, I'm, hopefully they point out later in this update how fast full speed means. But it basically slammed into this other freight train sitting still on the tracks. So after smashing into the freight train the passenger train which had 1257 passengers sitting in reserved seats derailed 21 of the cars bounced off the track three of them sprawled onto another track now the passenger train the express it was supposed to travel through the town on the main railroad line but the preliminary inquiry found that a signal was instead given for a loop line where the freight train was standing still. Ay, 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 dude. Uh, at the same time, the third train was involved. At the same time, a passenger train from Bengaluru to Kolkata, the Yezvantpur Haura Express, which had over a thousand passengers, was headed in the opposite direction on the track where those three dislocated cars lay on top of the track. And this second, and then it collided with them. The second collision knocked the last two coaches of the third train off of its tracks. So we still don't know why the freight train was stopped. 
We still don't know why the passenger train, the Coromandel Express, the high-speed train, was not alerted to its presence on the track. Let me just keep going here. I've got a few tabs open on this one. Um, yeah, and you know, this is one of Modi's, Prime Minister Narendra Modi's signature issues. He, by the way, is getting ready to run for a third term in office next year. And one of his issues has been modernizing India's infrastructure. It's quite old and quite dilapidated. <coughs> Excuse me, there's the first cough right there. And Modi had indeed been scheduled on Saturday today to inaugurate the latest in a series of high-speed trains, and brand new ones. The rollout of each appearing timed at building momentum for his campaign. Instead, he arrives at this scene with hundreds and hundreds of people uh, dead. He has apparently left the scene now. Uh, thousands of people are in a crowd there. Anything else here? I'm just uh, going through full speed again. They don't say how how much is full speed. Just scrolling through here. This disaster, which happened yesterday, by the way, was the deadliest since a crash in 1995 in which more than 350 people were killed. That was when two trains collided 125 miles from Delhi. Now, a little bit about India's railway system. It is one of the largest ones in the world. It was first developed in the 19th century by the British colonial authorities. Fuck, dude. You know, the Brits, man. Say what you will. I know. It's, it's, it's all the rage to talk shit about colonizers. But, man, those Brits, man, all the, those tiny island people in the 19th century, man, they were tough dudes. Those dudes went all over the world and built shit, man. You know? I mean, you know, they took it too far a lot of times, but you can't deny it. You go to India, you go to, you know, you, you see stuff in Haiti from the Europeans, see stuff all over Africa, these incredible buildings they built. It's really quite something. And they basically built this, started to build this rail system. So now India's railway is uh, more than 40,000 miles of track. That's enough to wrap around the earth about one and a half times. Uh, but yeah, they, they've been looking at passenger safety in India. In 2012, India appointed a committee to review the safety of the rail network. And they uh, described it as a, quote, grim picture of inadequate performance largely due to poor infrastructure and resources, end quote. And they recommended all kinds of shit. Here's a few more disasters. In 2016, 14 train cars derailed in India. In the middle of the night, that killed more than 140 sleeping passengers. God, can you imagine? Just racked out, dude. Nice train tracks, and all of a sudden you're dead. And then in 2017, another late-night derailment in southern India has uh, it killed at least 36 passengers. Now, I mentioned how Modi has kind of put been putting money into this. They've spent tens of billions, billions with a B, dollars, U.S., to renovate and modernize these old trains and tracks. And it seemed to be going pretty well. By 2020, for two years in a row, for the first time ever, India recorded no passenger deaths in train accidents. You know? That, until 2017, get this. You ready for this number? Until 2017, how many train passengers, on average, do you think were killed every year on India trains? The answer would be over 100. That's an average. 
that's that's kind of I know 100 doesn't sound like a big number but when you put it into context i mean we're talking trains here trains are there's no there's supposed to be no it's not like you know driving around in like la or something with cars where everybody in another car is trying to kill you and you've got incompetent drivers this is just a, a thing rolling down preset tracks you know it should not be that difficult honestly but uh yeah up until 2017 more than 100 passengers killed every year on average uh, let's see. Anything else on uh, any little details here? They're, I mean, they're still sifting through the wreckage. Um, yeah, I've, I think uh, I think that's about all I have on it. It's just repeating the same shit. Okay. Yep. So there's your train update again. The update number: two hundred eighty-eight dead, more than nine hundred hurt, uh, and uh, it'll probably grow from there. Very, very tragic story. Let us continue to Senegal. Uh, they've been fighting in the streets over there. Senegal has deployed their military, and yes, they did the uh, old dictator standby. They put a blackout on social media after deadly clashes in the streets. This is uh, demonstrators are fighting the cops to protest a two-year prison sentence given to a leading political opposition figure. And the government of Senegal said they have deployed the military in the capital of Dakar and other cities. And this was in response to the fights, which kind of kicked off on Thursday. And Senegal, you know, we always talk, you guys have listened to me for years. You know, I talk about Africa 50 times more than anybody. And so you're kind of used to me telling you about the chaos in the streets of Africa. Well, Senegal really wasn't like that. Senegal is a West African nation. And uh, they kind of seem to miss a lot of this stuff. It was fairly peaceful. You guys have all heard of the Dakar rally, right? Yeah, because it was a fairly stable country. But demonstrators did get out in the streets on Thursday, shortly after a court convicted that leading opposition figure named Ausmane Sanko. I'm probably butchering that first name. But uh, they convicted him on charges of, quote, corrupting youth, end quote while acquitting him on the major charges he had faced of rape and making death threats. Sanko was sentenced to two years in prison, and right after the verdict, demonstrators started fighting the cops. Now, there has been a few demonstrations about this cat, Sanko, in Senegal since his arrest in 2021. He was arrested in 2021 after a massage parlor employee hmm, accused him of rape. But this is like a new level. Like there were protests, but they were pretty much, you know, just regular demonstrations. So supermarkets, trains, train stations, gas stations burned down in several cities. And Senegal's interior minister, some guy named Antoine Felix Dion, said the deaths on Thursday had occurred in Dakar and in Zinguinchor, a southern city where Mr. Sanko is the mayor. Okay, it wasn't all peaceful in 2021. At least 14 people were killed in the protests that followed his arrest back then. So confrontations are continuing. And yes, they did block social media outlets, which that interior minister said was necessary to prevent calls to violence and hatred from circulating wildly. As of uh, Friday, we were really... Don't really know where Sanko is. Security forces are stationed around his house in Dakar, and they've been preventing him from leaving for days. 
According to the media, the cops have also been throwing tear gas at journalists, lawmakers, and residents walking nearby. That's funny. Sonko, by the way, is a 48-year-old former tax inspector who is popular among younger people. He has accused the president of using court cases to sideline him. That would be President Mackie Sal, S-A-L-L. And in return, Sal accused Sonko of calling for an insurrection and threatening Senegal's public order. All right. So for now, this conviction bars Sanko from running in the election. He is not allowed to appeal the verdict because he was not present in court for the trial. Um, a little bit about Senegal. They uh, gained independence from France in 1960. And they've been kind of a peaceful country, especially compared to the rest of Africa, which is a fucking disaster. The, the normal countries, you know, that whole Sahel region, northeastern corner of Nigeria, all that. But human rights defenders are starting to uh, ask questions because they've been arresting journalists and political opponents in recent years. And that's uh, that's just a bad trend that is happening here. I do have a little update. Uh, as of Friday afternoon, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and WhatsApp were not working. So many Senegalese, Senegalese, I should say, had switched to VPNs, virtual private networks, because that masks the uh, user's location. Now, the updated toll, I just checked Twitter right before here doing the podcast, and so far it's uh, up to 15. So, yeah, 15 dead. Apparently, Dakar itself has quieted down today, but tensions are high, and at least six people were killed just yesterday. So we'll watch that one and see what happens. Let's go to one of my... I'm fascinated by this whole area. And let's go over to the former Yugoslavia and talk about what's happening in Kosovo. Yeah, you guys all remember the Balkan Wars, the early 1990s. I've recommended the um, the uh, documentary many times. I always butcher the name, so I check this time. But it is The Death of Yugoslavia. It is a six-part BBC documentary. So, and each part is one hour. So it's a six-hour friggin' documentary. It goes through the whole thing. So, highly recommend that if you guys want to see all the political intrigue, the ethnic shit, you know, behind the behind the scenes, all that stuff. But dozens of NATO peacekeepers were injured this week in northern Kosovo when they started fighting with ethnic Serbs. Now, this is raising fears of yet another larger escalation between Serbia and Kosovo. So this came after Kosovo's ethnic Albanian leadership sent heavily armed security forces to take control of town municipal buildings. This is the latest turn in a fight that has roots going way back to that conflict in the 1990s. So if you can keep up with it, there's a lot of tribes involved here, which always gets a little bit confusing. But basically, Kosovo has a majority population of ethnic Albanian and Muslims, okay? Uh, the, the, Alban the ethnic Albanians are Muslim. Now, they declared their independence from Serbia in 2008. That was almost a decade after NATO's bombing campaign uh, drove the Serb forces from Kosovo. Now, those Serb forces, the reason we were bombing them, because the Serb forces were responsible for years of brutal mistreatment of ethnic Albanians. And since then, Serbia 
and Kosovo have fought over Kosovo's treatment of Kosovo's minority ethnic Serb population. You know, why don't you guys just all fucking move? You know? <coughs> Seriously, I don't get it. Like, if you're if you're a fucking ethnic Albanian, then you live in Kosovo. And if you're a Serb, then fucking go to Serbia. You know? I know you like your house. Well, since you can't manage to get along, quite clearly, you've got a little bit of a friggin' track record there. Just move. Go live with all the other Serbs, and you go live with all the other ethnic Albanians. Of course, each side is blaming each other. Yes. Uh, the fighting in recent days began when the Kosovan government deployed their security forces in several towns to install the ethnic Albanian mayors who had won in local elections last month. Local Serbs had mostly boycotted those votes. Well, that was dumb. Uh, what do you do? So, oh, oh, I'll show you. I'm not going to vote. Okay, well, your guy lost. Oh, well, now I'm mad. Idiots. Each side is blame the other for fighting. Uh, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg called the recent clashes, quote, unacceptable, end quote. And he said that 700 reserve troops had been deployed to help the peacekeeping mission there. Which, by the way, already had three thousand eight hundred troops before the conflict. See, they they need they need thousands of troops just to stop each other from killing each other. That's funny. In response to the violence, Serbia's president Aleksandar Vucic said in a statement released by his office that he had put his army on the highest level alert. Uh, let's see. How did the I kind of already described what happened, but again. Just to back up, Serbian nationalists living in Kosovo. Um, here's the thing: there's 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 four northern municipalities bordering Serbia that are home to much of Kosovo's Serb minority. Okay, they're in Kosovo, but they're right on the border. So, Serbian nationalists who live in that area still regard the Serbian capital of Belgrade as their true capital. So they have staged protests for years to resist integrating with Kosovo, okay? But they they want their land to be part of Serbia and not Kosovo, but the, the border's done. So that's what I'm saying. Just, you're going to have to move, I guess. And uh, in a statement posted to Facebook days before that aforementioned election, a Serbian political party dismissed the process as, quote, undemocratic, end quote, and urged Serbs to stay home on voting day. Okay, well, the, the Post said, quote, Serbs should watch with contempt all those who go out to participate in this illegal and illegitimate process that is against the interest of Serbian people, end quote. And, you know, I, I don't even know what a Serbian accent sounds like, and yet, remarkably, that is still a spot-on impression. So, the Albanians ended up winning. The ethnic Albanians, they won those mayoral elections. And uh, so Kosovo's central government last week sent in the armed security forces. And as a matter of fact, that was a move that was condemned in strong terms by the United States, which is Kosovo's main international backer. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he accused Kosovo's ethnic Albanian leadership of, quote, escalating tensions in the north and increasing instability, end quote. So then Serb protesters got together, uh, started fighting, and, you know, you know the rest of the story. A total of 30 NATO peacekeepers, including 19 Italians and 11 Hungarians, suffered injuries. Okay. Yeah. There you go. 
So they're all uh, fighting over there again. That's exciting. They just can't figure it out. Uh, let's. So we'll, we'll watch that, though. Hopefully it escalates. You know, we have a full-blown war over there again. It'll be great. That's some prime real estate. So if they all kill each other off, you know, we'll have the... Uh, we can go over there, colonize it. I, I'm about colonizing. Now that, see, colonization is on my mind now since I spoke to that. I told you guys the other week, we should take Baja California at a minimum, the U.S., seize it immediately, make it the 51st state. You're instantly adding hundreds of miles of beachfront, pristine, perfect climate weather property. I mean, why wait? And then we could uh, seize part of the old Yugoslavia, bits around there, getting on that Mediterranean action, you know? Uh, But, yeah, we need to start colonizing the world immediately. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's well, let's stay in Serbia quickly. Remember the mass shootings a couple weeks ago? I talked about them on the podcast quite a bit. And then they're right away, the president's like, well, we're going to take all the guns. Well, as I said at the time, and shockingly, <laughs> yes, there is a story here. <coughs> See, if I laugh, it makes me need to cough. There is a story here, tud- headline, after mass shootings in Serbia, few are ready to give up their guns. Yeah. Of course, especially now with these uh, clashes kicking off. Nobody's going to give up their guns. But yes, we guys recall the back-to-back massacres last month, one at the school in Belgrade and the other in uh, Farming Village. And following the killings, the president, same guy, Alexander Vucic, he vowed to tighten gun control law. And he, he was going for, in his own words, quote, almost complete disarmament, end quote. And, uh, you know, this is, of course, sparked a nationwide debate because both of the shooters were young. Well, pretty young. One is a 13-year-old and the other was a 21-year-old. And Serbia already has some of the tightest restrictions in Europe, which all restrictions in Europe are pretty bad. But because they don't enforce a lot of stuff there, there's a lot of there's a huge number of weapons illegally in private hands, like full auto shit. And those are the guns that uh, the president's going after. And uh, experts, experts, I'm an expert, okay? Experts, they say, uh, are saying many Serbians are unlikely to hand them over. Well, thanks a fucking lot. I told you that weeks ago. Am I an expert? Yes, I am in many things. Not only am I an expert in Serbian views on gun ownership, I'm also an expert in being jacked, having incredible ab veins, tanning, you know, important stuff like that. But I'll never get a quote in the New York Times. Uh, and let's see here. Demonstrators have, apparently they're having you know protests against this. Demonstrators have accused the government of focusing on gun control in order to avoid dealing with deeper and more intractable social ills. Um, so, uh, Vucic could be Vucic, 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 V-U-C-I-C. You guess. And let's see here. Uh, one guy they quoted, a uh, veteran who's also a uh, hunter, said he believed gun control laws were too strict and that the real problem was a pervasive, quote, culture of violence, end quote, aggravated by social media. Some of this is going to sound very familiar. That guy noted that there had been no mass shootings ever in Serbia in the 1990s when they barely had any gun laws and what few they had were never enforced. And they had all those weapons. From the wars in Bosnia, Croatia, Kosovo. 
so as far as the laws, all automatic weapons are banned in Serbia, as are most semi-automatic ones, right? A criminal conviction for a traffic accident or other offenses makes gun makes legal gun ownership impossible. And people who manage to obtain a gun permit for reasons of personal security need to apply for a separate permit if they want to take weapons out of their homes. Hmm. Um... Yeah, so, and and to obtain permits for his two hunting rifles, this veteran, they quote, had to undergo psychiatric and medical examinations, be vetted by a state hunting association, and then wait for months until police officers interviewed his neighbors about whether they had seen signs of aggressive behavior. He also has to keep his guns locked in a cabinet separate from his ammunition. (coughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. And why would you do all that when you can just uh, go to the guy down the street and get a fully au- full auto AK? So, uh, oh, here's a little update on one of the shooters because I, I mentioned how he blames social media. Well, there's not a lot of evidence on that, but you know, it's the same argument in the U.S., right? Because we never had like mass shootings, you know, like decades and decades ago. It only started really with the uh, Columbine. That was a big one. I mean, I'm sure there were a few before then, but that was like really like a big one with long guns, right? That kicked the whole thing off. But uh, the, apparently the second shooter, who was the, the 21-year-old, he greatly admired somebody named Christian Golubovich, a convicted drug dealer and thief who appeared on reality shows on Pink which is a very pro-government channel. And, um, yeah, apparently that, and, and, and they think, um, why is that relevant? <laughs> this kind of, uh, oh, okay, I see the connection now. Sorry, it was a very convoluted paragraph here. Basically, they are criticizing the president because that second suitor who admired this convicted drug dealer and thief uh, they're saying, well, he appeared on your pro-government channel. So who are you to tell us peace-loving people who just want to have our guns what to do? I, I think that's a connect. It's written very poorly, and that's kind of a reach. Oh, another guy here is uh, blaming American influence. <laughs> Spread largely through social media. And... He says young people, quote, just want to be modern and follow modern trends, end quote, including school shootings. But Serbia, he added, is not Texas. But it's funny. I am. There's a picture of the New York Times here, and it's a park. And they have, like, graffiti. And one, they're both of, like, black dudes. I think one's supposed to be 50 cent because it just shows him from behind with his arms outstretched and in one hand is a microphone, the other hand is a pistol and underneath is graffiti to get rich or die trying. And then there's another mural on a second building with Tupac again with a handgun in it as well. So, yeah, they're not giving up their guns. They shouldn't. I wouldn't for sure. What else? Let's go to Mexico. Shockingly, There was an atrocity in Mexico that is being literally dug up as we speak. The search for seven missing employees of a call center led Mexican authorities to a gruesome discovery earlier this week where at least 45 trash bags with several human remains were recovered from the bottom of a ravine 
on the outskirts of Guadalajara in the state of Jalisco. Both male and female body parts had been found in the bags. And yes, a shout out to my listener who sent me the pictures from the Telegram channel of the body parts. Yeah, it's fucking gnarly what they do. It's just gnarly, dude. They just chop you up. On Thursday, the state prosecutor's office said that some of the remains preliminarily matched the physical characteristics of the missing staff members. But they don't know for sure. They do not know as of yet how many victims are possibly there. Because again, it's just trash bags filled with body parts. So the uh, the governor of Jalisco, Enrique Alfaro, tweeted uh, tweeted out that the evidence suggested that the house where the missing people worked was not, in fact, a call center, quote, but an operations center of a different nature, end quote. Hmm. What, like a drug lab? A search of the house led authorities to find marijuana and possible traces of blood and a piece of cloth and a mop. They also found information on timeshares and memberships, along with sales goals for those who work there. Okay, here's a more explanation. Mexico's security secretary said during a news conference this week that these leads indicated that the employees, quote, were doing some kind of real estate fraud and some kind of, let's say, telephone extortion, end quote. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, the U.S. Treasury Department did sanction several Mexican companies, many of them based in Jalisco, linked to timeshare fraud. Who are they working for? Take a wild guess. Try the Jalisco New Generation Cartel. I've talked about that cartel many times. All right. Uh, yeah, this, you know, and of course, this just adds on to the huge epidemic of disappearances that have gripped the country of Mexico for decades. More than, I've, I've thrown out this stat a few times and it still blows my mind, more than 110,000 people are missing in Mexico. And they don't know what happened. Jalisco has recorded the country's highest number of disappeared people, almost 15,000 out of that previous number, as of June 2nd. And this is a sore spot for AMLO, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, particularly as Mexico heads towards that presidential election in 2024. Remember, when AMLO came to office in December of 2018, he promised to root out the violence convulsing Mexico. But his security strategy, remember this famous phrase, hugs, not bullets? Yeah, he was, uh, and, and he was trying, he was trying to use that to deal with the root causes, <laughs> to deal with the cartels. And that does not seem to have reduced disappearances. I, AMLO, Booby, we all know the root causes. They want to get money and bitches. That's why you become a cartel member. You want to get money and bitches. And you probably also don't mind killing people, and you probably also don't mind violence. There you go, AMLO. I just gave you your long-sought answer to the root causes. Let me know if I can solve any other root cause questions you might have, AMLO. I know, because everybody always wants to say, we have to get to the root causes. Whether it's vagrancy, or illegal immigration, or why people join criminal gangs. They always want to look for the root causes. And they're really fucking kind of obvious. <laughs> oh. See, I have too much sense for the government, you guys. Uh, let me see. Disappearances across Mexico climbed more than 20% in the first three months of this year compared to the same number in 2022. 
the president has defended himself against this by saying his government has gotten better at counting and investigating the missing. Um, AMLO said last year, quote, No government has ever taken care of the disappeared as we are doing now, Vato. We assume the responsibility of searching for the missing and helping the relatives, and that is what we are doing, Holmes. That's... End quote. Oh, this is rough, you guys. I'm not going to lie. This is the throat, the coughing. It's it's like my throat is constantly itchy. But I'm going to fight through it. I hope this isn't too gross to you. Yeah, so they're going to keep exploring that ravine until all the bags are located and uh, count the body parts, I guess. Uh, let's go to this fun story. Did Afghanistan invade Iran? Maybe? Are they going to further? Possibly? Interesting stuff. A lot of you guys sent me the uh, videos and tons of this on social media. But at least three people were killed and several others injured after fighting broke out along the Iranian-Afghan border uh, Saturday night. Last Saturday night. It was a little bit old, but I'm just getting caught up from the, the road, so bear with me. And that was according to Iranian and Afghan media and uh, officials. And this is over a. Uh, this comes amid a heated dispute over water rights in recent weeks. At least two Iranian border guards were killed in that fighting, which began around noon on Saturday, ended after six hours along the southwestern border of Afghanistan. One soldier with the Taliban administration in Afghanistan was also killed. Of course, they are pointing the finger at each other. It seems to have calmed down right now, but this is over the flow of water from the Helmand River in Afghanistan into eastern Iran. This is a region that has been plagued by drought. The mouth of the river is along the border in southwestern Afghanistan and southeastern Iran, and that's where the fighting took place. So in recent weeks, Iranian officials accused the Taliban administration of violating a decades-old treaty between the two countries by restricting the flow of water out of Afghanistan. Taliban is denying that. <coughs> And uh, this has been a flashpoint between Afghanistan and Iran actually for centuries. The two countries are bound by the Helmand River. And uh, this is the longest river in Afghanistan. Some of you guys may know it. It, uh, it runs from the foothills of the Hindu Kush mountain range and feeds into those wetlands along the country's border with Iran. That river is a critical source of drinking water as well as agriculture and fishing. In the 40s and 50s, back before they were complete savages over there, Afghan governments constructed two major dams along the Helmand River, giving Afghanistan the power to cut off the flow of water into Iran and alarming officials there. They did sign a treaty on sharing water resources in 1973, but that treaty was never ratified, and the flow of water has remained a heated point of contention ever since. Since the Taliban took power in August of 2021, the Iranian authorities have had relations with them. As a matter of fact, in February, Iran became one of the few foreign governments to accept Taliban-appointed diplomats into their country. But this month, Iranian President Ebrahim Raisi warned the Taliban to not violate the terms of that 1973 treaty and he wanted the Afghan government to allow Iranian hydrologists to check the river's water levels. And, uh, yeah, 
They kind of got into it a little bit. But it is ironic because, as many people noted, like the Taliban was probably taking Iran to the woodshed using all of our armored vehicles, our fucking NVGs, <clears throat> IR lasers, drones, the whole thing. So this was an interesting story. Let's go to Germany. This was interesting because a German court has convicted four left-wingers in attacks targeting neo-Nazis, right? And the leftists are very upset about this. They, they, they don't seem to understand that just because if, you're, if you hold reprehensible you know, personal or political views you know, in, a, in a Western democracy, you can still stand on a street corner with your sign and, and have a protest as long as it's people. You can do that. But these uh, far leftists don't think you should be able to do that. And that's why they throw bricks at you. And not just neo-Nazis. They do that with, you know, with many different people. If you're wearing an American flag hat or a MAGA hat, you'd probably get a brick thrown at your head. But yeah, German court this week did convict a 28-year-old woman and three accomplices of organizing and then carrying out those brutal attacks. So these weren't just like street fights, right? They were, these were like planned. And these were against people they perceived to be neo-Nazis. And remember, they have those stupid German privacy laws. The woman was identified only as Lena E. But she was sentenced to five years and three months in prison by a court of, uh, by a court in Dresden. This is funny. Experts, more experts. I love when they say experts. These attacks are uh, what experts have described as an uncommon case of left-wing extremist violence in the country. Okay, maybe in Germany. It's certainly not the case here. But perhaps that's true in Germany. I don't know. Or maybe they just don't think leftist violence is that big of a deal over there. Because that's really what the problem is. And that's why the story is interesting. Because hours after the verdict was announced, there were huge protests and fighting between left-wing protesters and the cops in Berlin and other cities. As a matter of fact, far-left activists also announced that demonstrations would be held in Leipzig, where Lena E. lived today, Saturday. I don't know if it's going on or not. Uh, so this has been a deal over there because, again, Germany has that tradition of, uh, you know, really they, they have that anti-Nazi tradition, right? So how far are you going to take that? Are you going to let, like, guys who espouse neo-Nazi views who are peaceful, like, get beaten in the street and get hunted down? But they've had big-time far-right groups over there. You guys remember like a few months back when I talked about how Germany did that big sweep all over the country and they rounded up like all those like far-right or guys they perceived to be far-right figures? Yeah, and they arrested a bunch of them. So at the heart of the case were six attacks that prosecutors said the loose, nameless group hmm, had planned and carried out from 2018 to 2020. Among those beaten by the masked attackers was a right-wing extremist and martial arts fighter who himself is in jail, awaiting trial for his role leading a violent right-wing group. Uh, other attacks were against men returning from a far-right rally in Dresden and a man wearing a hat from a right-wing clothing company. See? That's all it takes. He, he by the way, denied being a neo-Nazi. Some of these guys got broken bones. There were 13 victims in all. And they said this chick led the group with her partner. <laughs> Kidding me, dude? Just knock this chick out, you pussies. I know, there's probably a bunch of them. They probably had weapons, but still. Investigators got her uh, honed in on her when she was just a student. After a second attack on that martial arts fighter in 2019. 
So they basically tracked her down. She was arrested in November of 2020. And, um, yeah, a lot of people celebrated her as a vigilante and said, yeah, this is good. Remember over here in the U.S., remember they were doing this during the George Floyd protests. If you didn't want them to burn down your local police station, you were a Nazi. And remember, punch a Nazi, that was the cool thing to do. Uh, But apparently in Germany, violence by left-wing groups is uh, unusual. The far right tends to be the source of brutality, at least in the public space. In 2022, the German police attributed 23,493 registered crimes to the far right in the country. In that same year, 6,976 crimes were attributed to the far left. That is the lowest number in a decade. But because of their Nazi past, Germany is very anti-fascist, you could say. They have those laws. They ban Nazi symbols. They ban Nazi speech. And uh, then, yeah, last year that far-right group was accused of plotting to overthrow the government. That was what about all those uh, roundups were. And I've talked in the past, too. Remember they disbanded a whole unit of Germany's uh, special forces, military special forces known as the KSK, because there was a bunch of, like, there was a bunch of guys who thought the Nazis were kind of cool, you know, and uh, it, it, here's the thing. You can, like, hate their ideology, but you read about, like, World War II. Those fucking soldiers, dude. Those were those German soldiers. Those dudes were fucking tough. They were tough, rough dudes. So I could see, like, how a guy now in a German military would kind of admire. Again, this has nothing to do with the ideology. It has to do with, like, you know, your fighting ability, your determination, your grit, your perseverance, and all that stuff. And and um, and so, yeah. And I think I think there was I think there's a lot of that probably in the uh, German military. So, anything else about this case that is going on? <coughs> it's a hundred day trial. Um, yeah. So they basically though the leftists are protesting because they don't think this should be illegal, essentially. They don't think it should be illegal to go up to somebody you think is a neo-Nazi and, uh, you know, attack them, beat them, break their bones. They just don't think it should be illegal. because you're and, and that's not very far removed from what leftists think here in the U.S. They do. They think it's okay, you know. Uh, a couple other guys, uh, by the way, were convicted with her. And, the, you know, even the fucking, listen to this judge. What's this judge's name? Hans Schluter Stotz. Delivering this verdict, the judge said that, quote, opposing right-wing extremists is a respectable motive, end quote. But use of force was only for the state, and her actions were still serious criminal acts. Her defense lawyer said that the case was politically motivated. Uh, they Oh, the, the far-left militant group that uh, Lena was in was called the uh, Hammer Gang. You can imagine why. One incident, that, that Dresden, that, that protest, the fifth, when they attacked the 15 dudes, that group was beaten up as a return from a ceremony marking the firebombing of Dresden during World War II. What is, how is that, like, Nazi-related? Uh, let me see here. Yeah, you know, and then they quote all the university goofs who are like, of course this is wrong, but... You remember what they say? You guys know what they say about the word but, right? And nothing before the word but matters when somebody's speaking to you. 
Because what they really think is going to follow the butt, okay? Like this stupid professor, Sabine Volk, said that the crimes committed by the gang were horrible, but there appeared to be a power imbalance in Eastern Germany against the far left. Okay, so so following the word but is what she really thinks, but she has to throw out the obligatory nonsense to show how uh, moderate she is first. Yeah. Yeah, the cops were targeted with bottles and fireworks as far-left protests broke out. The, um, the, the police union is not happy. The head of the police union said officers were shaking their heads that she had been released. Uh, he said, quote, It was clear to us as officers that we would also be the focus of the extremists. End quote. Yep. So, of course, though, they are quick to point out that right-wing extremists are very scary over there. And so don't look into it too much. Uh, Just quickly, in Germany, Berlin police are investigating Roger Waters, the founder of Pink Floyd, (coughs) after he wore uh, Nazi-style costumes at concerts. (laughs) He's worn this shit before. I'm looking at a picture right now. He's, like, dressed all in black, and, yes, there is a uh, red armband. By the way, Roger Waters, you've probably heard me play clip. He's a wildly anti-Israel guy. Uh, Yeah, but he's successfully, Waters has, fought two attempts by German courts to block him from German concert venues in the past. The investigation is focusing on a costume Waters wore in uh, while he was playing during rendition of the 1979 Pink Floyd song In the Flesh from the famous album The Wall, in which a rock star imagines himself as a fascist dictator. They kind of, he's been doing this shtick for decades. They had the exact same look in the 1982 movie Pink Floyd the Wall. And during parts of those concerts in Berlin on the May 17th and 18th of this year, Waters wore that black trench coat and a red armband. And flanked by men dressed in costumes that evoked Nazi stormtroopers, he shot a prop machine gun into the audience. This has been going on for fucking years. He says it's satire. So... Um, yeah, and then, of course, all the fucking libs are crying about it, so. Waters initially agreed to an an interview with the New York Times about this, but then uh, declined. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, Waters hates fucking Israel. At past concerts, he's included a floating balloon representing a uh, flying pig with the Star of David on it. (laughs) Yeah. He's a big uh, BDS guy, boycott, divestment, and sanctions. That's basically pushing foreign governments and, and all governments really to cut uh, financial ties with Israel. And includes entertainers, so he doesn't want anybody, uh, other entertainers to play in Israel. Yes. Very good. Ah, it's a kind of a fascinating story, but it's way too long, so let me uh, move on. Roger Waters, he's a fucking kook, dude. Let's see here. Let's talk about this story. Australia's most decorated soldier has lost a defamation case. Yeah, this case is huge in Australia. You know, I have many Australian listeners. It's been called Australia's trial of the century. And the big question during this trial is, was the country's most decorated living soldier a war criminal? Well, on Thursday, a judge effectively found that the answer is yes, he was a war criminal. This is about this soldier, Ben Roberts Smith. Four years ago, he sued three newspapers that accused him of killing unarmed Afghan prisoners in cold blood. Well, 
A judge has ruled against him in his defamation case, finding that the newspapers had proved their accounts of his actions substantially true. So this is kind of a rare victory for the media in a country whose notoriously harsh defamation laws have been criticized for favoring accusers. You guys, I've talked about this before. Australia has been fighting and kind of grappling with the fallout of their mission in Afghanistan and what went on with the Australian SAS over there. You guys recall that from a couple months back? And this was one of their top guys. An Australian SAS did work over there. This goes back to 2020 when the country's military released that public account that included credible evidence that 25 soldiers had been involved in the murders of 39 Afghan civilians. And a government agency was subsequently created to investigate war crimes in Afghanistan, and it has started to examine between 40 and 50 allegations of criminal behavior. And although Robert Smith himself was not on trial in the case, because it was a civil case, this was the first time a war, a war crimes allegation had been examined in open court in Australia. A little bit about Robert Smith. He's now 44 years old. Spent 17 years in the military. He rose to the ranks. He became a patrol commander of the Special Air, Air Service Regiment, the SAS. He received Australia's two top military honors, like their version of the Medical Honor, Medal of Honor. Uh, he was also named Australia's Father of the Year in 2013. They have two portraits of, portraits of him displayed in the National War Memorial. But then in 2018, the Sydney Morning Herald... The Age, another newspaper, and the Canberra Times published a series of articles accusing him of murdering or being complicit in the murders of six Afghans. He was not named in those articles, but he argued that he was clearly identifiable. So over the 100-day-plus trial, the court heard from 41 witnesses, including many current or former Special Forces soldiers who gave evidence anonymously or in courtrooms closed to the public. And then a lot of shitty things happen, like that Smith had hired a private investigator to spy on a girlfriend in an abortion clinic. Um, he had poured gasoline on his personal laptop and set fire to it. So the, the, the original articles contained two big ones. In 2009, the newspaper said, two Afghan men were discovered hiding in a tunnel at a compound and taken prisoner. Robert Smith, they said, killed one of the men who had a prosthetic leg and ordered a more junior soldier to kill the other as a form of initiation. They then took the prosthetic leg back to Australia and encouraged other soldiers to use it as a novelty drinking vessel. I remember when I did the story, they had a picture of dudes at their bar, the team bar, and they were drinking fucking beer out of this leg. And then the other one was in 2012, Smith kicked an unarmed, handcuffed Afghan farmer off a cliff and that a colleague then shot the man dead. Uh, Smith said the, uh, he denied that any Afghans had been found in a tunnel in 09. And in the other case, he said the man was a Taliban scout, not a farmer, and he had been killed lawfully in combat, not being after kicked off a cliff. So the newspapers then had to prove it. Apparently, they were able to. Yeah, I mean, it's sad. You know, it's like the Ed Gallagher case. You know, like I really think, like, you know, you send these guys to war. You train them to brutally kill the enemy. And, then this is, and this is up close and personal. This isn't from a fighter jet. This is not from a drone. This isn't some drone operator through a screen. This is fucking literally like shooting guys in the head 
blood spattering all over you, coming back for missions with other people's blood on you. You see brains. You see. I'm trying not to be graphic here, but it's important that you understand what this does to the human psyche. It's not possible to live through that and be normal. It just isn't. And, um, you know, it's sad. And, and these guys turn jaded quickly. I mean, you do. it only takes like one tour, you know, a couple missions even. When you do that kind of stuff, before you turn into that monster. But we are supposed to be a modern, you know, in Australia. I'm including us, so Australia in us. We are the Western elite military operators, and you are supposed to conduct yourself as such. You know, it's easy to call people savages and all that stuff, and, hey, I'm all about it when they're holding a gun, but when they're not, you have to, you're supposed to be the good guy, you know? And if it was a farmer, that's reprehensible. You know, you shouldn't, it's, it's dishonorable. You should never, it's not, it's not honorable to kill civilians on purpose. You know, accidents happen. But if that's true, and the judge certainly thinks, seems to think so, it's a, it's a no-go. So, of course, you guys know that my feeling is we never should have sent these guys over to be turned into these monsters in the first place, but that's uh, well above my pay grade, as they say. Okay, let's do a little on uh, Russia and Ukraine. They had a drone strike in Moscow. This is bringing the war home to the Russians. You know, this is like a far, this is like similar to the U.S. and Afghanistan where most people didn't care because Afghanistan is like so far away. But all of a sudden, if drones start to hit in downtown L.A. from the Taliban, then they take notice. Well, that's kind of what happened. At least eight drones were intercepted, according to the Kremlin. But a few of them impacted. And this was on Tuesday, the first time civilian areas of the Russian capital have been touched directly by the Ukrainian conflict. It wasn't a lot of damage. See some, you know, smudges on an apartment, a couple busted windows, but you know, it's a psychological thing. And this comes as Russia has been engaged in that sustained aerial assault on Ukraine's own capital of Kiev. Nobody died. Uh, however, one person did die in Kiev in the Russian attacks. So. An advisor to President Volodymyr Zelensky said Ukraine had not been, quote, directly involved, end quote, in the attack, but was, quote, happy, end quote, to watch the events taking place across the border. And they appear to be choosing their words quite carefully. Now, the U.S. said when the war started in February 2022, they did not want their equipments used to strike Russia. And um, they were asked about that this week. The State Department and the National Security Council both issued statements saying that the United States does not support strikes inside Russia, quote, as a general matter, end quote, but did note that Tuesday marked the 17th time this month that Russia had struck Kiev. And Britain went a little bit further. Their foreign minister, some guy named James Cleverly, a good name, said that Ukraine had the, quote, right to project force beyond its borders, end quote. Yeah. So does Moscow have any kind of drone defense systems or what? Hmm. They think they're going to start beefing up the capital air defense systems, though, and they're denouncing us. Now, politically, U.S., this is the part that interests me. So this, uh, I'm going to play two clips here, and... One was dated May 25th, 
This is before the attacks. Remember when the F-16s, we were sending them F-16s, right? Or at least training them on them. Some reporter asked New York Congressman Gerald Nadler, because Joe Biden's thing was, well, I don't want F-16s. I don't want to give them F-16s because I don't want them used to go into Russia and fight in Russia and escalate it. So they asked Jared Nadler about the F-16 thing. Time. It should have been done a long time ago. It's time. And then what do you think about his previous comments, though, that it was it was too escalatory to do, I and think, then now it's I not? Th- I, I think he was wrong. I think, you know, every different weapon system versus too escalatory, and then we eventually gave it to them. And... Uh, they're fighting not only for their lives, they're fighting for democracy, they're fighting for the world order against, you know, just invasion of another country, altering borders by force, which is inadmissible since 1945. And we should give them whatever they need. And are you concerned that they will enter into Russian territory, as there have been recent reports of Belgorod, the, the border city? Um, I'm not concerned. I wouldn't care if they did. Okay, you so you heard it. So Gerald Nadler said he wouldn't care. Now... Uh, on May 30th, after the drone attack on Moscow, the same person caught up to Representative Ilhan Omar. And let's listen to her speech on there this. There is um, escalation where um, Ukraine is now fighting inside of Russia and causing um, lives to be lost in, in that regard. Then, you know, we, we would have to make a different calculation. I got some comments from Jerry Nather last week. Okay, I'll stop her there. But basically she's saying, well, if the Ukrainians are starting to use our drones to get inside and strike Russia, we would have to reassess that. Just a side note, I know you guys are going to hate me for saying this. Ilhan Omar is kind of sneaky hot. She she dresses very modestly, but man, I'd like to see her in a little uh, string bikini. Bet she could pull it off, dude. She looks pretty hot in that video, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, and then there was a big controversy in Ukraine because one of those Russian strikes, uh, it killed three people seeking shelter in a, you know, like a bomb shelter, and it was two women and a child, and they were trying to get inside this door, but the door was locked, and uh, obviously there wasn't a lot of time there, but this is kind of shaking up Kiev. You know, who's responsible for the locked door that left women and children seeking safety exposed to this missile strike and are wondering who locked this door? This is a children's clinic turned bomb shelter. So why was the door locked? That kind of defeats the whole friggin' point, doesn't it? And it got so bad that uh, Zelensky himself weighed in. He called for law enforcement to bring those responsible for a locked door to justice. He said in a speech on Thursday that such deaths would, should never happen again. And uh, he also ordered an inspection of all bomb shelters across the country. Now, that's not good. And then just a funny side note. Do you guys know who Tara Reid is, not the actress? Remember the chick who, who uh, accused Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her, which I never bought? I said so at the time. That was a for, She was a former Senate aide who accused Biden of sex assault as he ran for president on 2020. Well... She said on Tuesday that she had moved to Russia and was seeking citizenship there. <laughs> that's way she said it was because that's where she feels uh, protection and safety. She did like a whole press conference about it. Remember, in back in April of 2020, in interviews with the New York Times, no former Biden staff members could corroborate co- corroborate any details of Reed's allegation or recall any. Similar behavior by Biden towards her or any other women. So, 
Who knows? I like I, I'm consistent, you guys. I'm su- suspect of chicks who bring um, allegate. I'm 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 suspect of women who bring sexual allegations forward like decades after they happen. And this was, by the way, supposed to have happened in uh, 1993. So I just thought it was funny. And people are saying she defected to Russia. Well, she's not a political figure, so no, she did not affect defect to Russia. A lot of serious stuff, guys. Let's turn to something a little bit more amusing and go to the case study published in the Visual Journey of Emergency Surgery. A grown man had to be rushed to the emergency surgery after he inserted a deodorant spray canister into his rectum. (laughs) He was 30 years old. At least this guy didn't wait. He, uh, he went two hours after he shoved it up there and couldn't get it out. He was experiencing acute abdominal pain. And this was the uh, this was in, where was this? This was at the Tehran University of Medical Sciences Emergency Department. So it was over in Iran. And they uh, published a study. The, the patient's vital signs were normal. No past medical history or drug history. Oh, other than a, quote, uncomplicated previous rectal foreign body insertion, end quote. Uh, The Iranian man was reportedly in too much pain for a standard rectal investigation, so they used x-rays to find it. It had traveled into his digestive tract. You guys know, this is like the aerosol can. Have you when's the last, I've seen those. I haven't used an aerosol can of like deodorant. I don't think ever. I think I used like one time when there's literally nothing else around, like in boot camp or something. But yeah, they still have those, and that's what it was. I'm looking at an X-ray right now. The old aerosol deodorant, and so they had to cut it out of his stomach. Oh, guys, stop with the jamming of the rectal foreign bodies. You don't want to do that. You know when the the first documented report on the management of retained rectal foreign bodies is? It dates back to the 16th century. Yeah, documented. Like, doctors wrote this down. You know? Forsooth, my man appeareth in the emergency roometh (laughs) with a stick up the old pooper chute. But yeah... It's happening a lot. They do it a lot. Uh, quickly, the, yes, as predicted, yes, the debt ceiling. Yeah, they they managed some deal. I'm not gonna. It's it's so boring. Nothing's gonna. Here's the thing: money is gonna keep being printed. Your money is gonna continue to be degraded. There's no interest in cutting any spending. And I always said this is a stupid rule anyway, because we go through this now. We've gone through this every friggin' year. What is the debt limit anyway? I just wanted to do the story to explain to you. Like, what is it? Because people throw it around. They don't even know what it is. So, the debt limit is a cap on the total amount of money that the United States is authorized to borrow to fund the government and meet their financial obligations. Because the tax money they take in is not enough to pay the bills, so they have to borrow money. Okay? So, that is the debt limit. That is where the cap And yeah, here we go. Because the federal government runs budget deficits, meaning they spend more than they bring in through taxes and other revenue, they must borrow huge amounts of money to pay those bills. And that includes funding for social safety net programs, interest on the debt, and uh, the uh, defense and all that. 
So lifting the debt limit does not actually authorize any new spending. It just simply allows the U.S. to spend money on programs that have already been authorized by Congress. And here's the thing. The vast majority of U.S. spending is just on a handful of things. It's basically the defense, the defense budget, interest on our existing debt, uh, Social Security, and Medicare, Medicaid. That's like a, that's a huge percentage of all federal spending. So if anybody's serious says, well, we need to cut the budget, look at all this wasteful shit, you have to start with those. And that's the way it is. We hit our debt limit on January 19th of this year, by the way. Uh, in case you're wondering how much debt we have, now the deficit, remember, the deficit is the difference between the amount that we've taken in and what we've spent for one particular year, right? That's the budget deficit. So if our budget is $3 million and we spend $4 million our, I know it's trillion, but I'm just using million to simplify it. Our budget deficit would be $1 million, right? You guys tracking on that? So the debt though is all of those budget deficits and everything else combined over the years. That's all the money we owe as a country. Our national debt has crossed $31 trillion. <laughs> That's not even real. It's not even real. <laughs> so stupid. Um, yeah. So if they didn't pass it, that's why I said there was no, there's no chance they're going to default because you have to do it. And debt is going to keep growing because uh, everybody's celebrating and patting themselves on the back. It, it's just going to keep growing. But here's the thing. I've heard about the national debt my entire life. And it like, it was this, like tidal wave. Like you guys remember you older people remember when Ross Perot ran in the 1992 presidential election, and he was the guy who was busting out all those charts, talking about the dangers of the national debt it was going to destroy our country. Well, it hasn't. There is no clear economic evidence that current debt levels are dragging on economic growth. So, by the way, that debt, the $31 trillion, that is poised to top $50 trillion by the end of this decade, even after the fucking symbolic spending cuts they threw into this deal. And like I've told you guys many times, that's because nobody ever gets elected by telling you what they're going to take away from you. They just don't. Nobody is going to be elected to office saying, well, I'm going to cut the defense budget by 5% and I'm going to cut social security by 5%. You will lose. You just will. Yeah. Uh, by the way, what are we spending annually right now? About $6.3 trillion. So the deal included no major cuts to military expending, this new debt ceiling agreement. And they ruled out any cuts to Social Security and Medicare, which, by the way, the cost of those two programs alone is expected to soar because all those baby boomers are now qualifying for benefits. <coughs> Uh, yeah, but that's that's really reality. That's what you'd have to cut. Defense, Social Security, Medicare. Got a couple of clips here. Let's listen to now presidential uh, candidate Ron DeSantis about the debt ceiling deal. Let's hear him on uh, Start Fox. With the breaking news over the weekend. You have Speaker McCarthy who said this is a deal worthy of the American people. But then Chip Roy, congressman, bone rib conservative, he supports you. He said pretty bluntly, plus $4 trillion 
No. So there's a fracture in the Republican Party. Where do you stand, Governor? Well, prior to this deal, Kaylee, our country was careening towards bankruptcy. And after this deal, our country will still be careening towards bankruptcy. And right. to say you can do $4 trillion of increases in the next year and a half, I mean, that's a massive amount of spending. Uh, I think that we've gotten ourselves on a trajectory here really since March of 2020 uh, with some of the COVID spending. It totally reset the budget, and they're sticking with that. Uh, and I think that that's just going to be totally inadequate to get us in a better spot. Look, in Florida, we run big budget surpluses. Uh, we have a $1.2 trillion economy, but our debt is only $17 billion, second lowest per capita in the country. Uh, but we make tough choices, and we make sure that we look forward to the long haul. Obviously, in Washington, D.C., they do these cycles to just get them through the next election. And that's ultimately one of the reasons why they continue to fail. Okay, uh, well said, and I will have more from DeSantis in a little bit. Uh, he mentioned Chip Roy. Let's hear from Chip Roy about this deal, Congressman. According to the Treasury Secretary is Monday. That doesn't give you much time. Yeah, I mean, well, they should have thought about that before 104 days went by where Joe Biden didn't do anything at all and before a deal was cut going into Memorial Day weekend without all of us around the table deciding whether this was in the best interest of the United States of America. Just because the swamp is flawed doesn't mean the average hardworking American should take it on the chin. Why should they accept that? We could pass right now, sweep the COVID money, sweep the IRS money that was, you know, to expand the IRS to go after the American people, three to five times more going after minorities and hardworking Americans who are poorer than the wealthy and the and non-minorities. Why don't we take that money, give Janet Yellen what she needs for some breathing room in June and July, and then let's actually pass a responsible debt ceiling increase. I know the Wall Street Journal is editorializing in favor of it, but again, I know why. It's because they're looking at it in terms of these check-the-box wins. Look at the curve. The American people now, the government is 40% bigger than it was pre-COVID. Let's go back to pre-COVID levels of spending. That's what we asked for. We're not. This deal doesn't do that. But if you undermine your speaker, doesn't that give power to the Democrats that run the rest? See, that's what, and he cuts off right there. That's what the journalists care about. They care about, like, well, who is this a win or a loss, a W or an L? I can't speak to his uh, point. I think, that, but I remember Trump spent trillions of dollars. So Chip Roy saying, "Well, it's forty percent bigger than it was pre-COVID." Like I know me, I haven't used forty percent more governors government services since twenty nineteen. So yeah, an ideal world that would be an easy thing to do, but we don't live there. All right, uh, let's go. Let's talk about uh, this one. Well, I was just in Pueblo, Colorado. So this story caught my eye. A former Pueblo massage therapist who's been accused of unlawful sexual contact with multiple women has now been acquitted of some charges, and others have been dismissed by the district attorney's office. Hmm. After facing trial on March 10th, the DA has chosen not to retry the remaining counts against a guy named Christopher Saiz. He was tried on 12 counts of sexual contact during a false medical exam, and the, uh, the, he ended up getting a hung jury. And the jury found him not guilty on four of the accounts, right? Um, Saiz was a licensed massage therapist at Solar Wellness in Pueblo before he was arrested in April of 2020 on allegations that he had violated his female customers' trust and bodies in a number of ways. 
These violations included touching their genitals, cupping their breasts, placing his crotch in their hand. Many of the alleged victims testified in pretrial hearings that they remember feeling or seeing an erect penis during their sessions. One of the victims told investigators Saiz initiated unwanted and unprotected sex. Investigators said the alleged victim gave him consent to have sex. What? But told him to wear a condom. However, Saiz then allegedly ejaculated inside the victim without her consent. <laughs> this dude. <laughs> wow. Must be good to be a massage therapist. So he's like, uh, he's so he's he's giving her a rub down, and he's like, "Hey, can I bang you?" And she's like, "Well, okay, but you have to use a condom." Well, apparently, uh, I don't. Somehow he got away with it. A rare case of somebody not being convicted. They must have thought these women were full of shit somehow. All right, let's go quickly to Turkey. You guys know they had the uh, the re up from the uh, presidential election, and yes. They had the two rounds, and it is going to be new president uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. He has been fucking pretty much reelected, very much reelected. Turkey's Supreme Election Council named Mr. Erdogan the victor after that runoff election last Sunday. He won 52.1% of the vote against the opposition candidate Kemal Kilik Daroglu, who had 47.9% with almost all votes counted. That was a very big election, as I told you before. Turkey is a member of NATO. Uh, we, the United States, often seen uh, Erdogan as a frustrating partner because he bashes the West a lot. And yeah, this was uh, the most challenging election of Erdogan's 20 years. As Turkey's most prominent politician, he was prime minister since 2003 and president since 2014. Because they had the economic problems, they had the uh, the COVID, they had the, those powerful earthquakes in February that killed more than 50,000 people. But people like that, dude. So he pulled it off. Meanwhile, another election news. In Spain, the Spanish Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez, he has called for a snap election in July. He leads right now a coalition government that is seen as fragile, and he made that announcement after his liberal party lost ground to conservatives in regional and local elections over the weekends. So he said uh, this week that he would dissolve the parliament and called for that snap election in July after they got uh, their butt kicked. Now, Sanchez is quite progressive. That's why he's very popular in the European Union. But he uh, is seen as a drag on kind of his political party's fortune. So... This would bring to a premature end the country's first coalition government since the return of democracy in the 1970s. That coalition was formed in 2020 and had a bunch of left-wingers and weirdo Basque separatists and all those guys. Uh, he leads the Socialist Workers Party. And he was, uh, the, in these recent elections, the Socialist Workers Party was crushed by the conservative Popular Party, but in a sign of the shifting political winds, the far-right Vox Party, very taboo, writes the New York Times, also performed well. And they are now represented in all of the country's regional parliaments. So it seems they are being getting tired of leftism in Spain. He unexpectedly did Sanchez take power in June 2018 
in a uh, vote that brought down the conservative government. They had a big financial scandal, uh, that popular party. But as uh, things kind of uh, come along and these things happen, people quickly got tired of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Pedro Sanchez. All right. Very good. There's your, I know the boring, the, some of the foreign elections, man, I know they're a little bit boring. Oh, uh, let's see here. Let's go to some domestic stuff. Well, let's talk about the, uh, some, some political news. First, uh, let's talk about Biden. Uh, Sleepy Joe, you guys saw him all take the fall at the Air Force Academy ceremony. <laughs> I, did you see all the people who ran and fucking said, what, he bounced right back up? You know, he did not. He fell, tried to get back up, kind of fell back down again, and then he was helped up. And I know, because I watched the video like 50 times, did you guys see the bottoms of his shoes? That was a little internet controversy. Go uh, Google Joe Biden's shoes. Because they have like this rubber horseshoe-shaped heel on it. It's like an anti-slip heel or something like that. I'm not sure what it is. If that's for comfort or if it's for anti-slippage, because he's, he's such a doddering old man that he needs that. But yeah, he ate shit hard, dude. Uh, I've got a couple clips and stories here. Uh, but yeah, Joe Biden fell, but uh, his speech was incomprehensible at the graduation. Here's here's a little section of it from the Air Force Academy. It wasn't all push-ups and cramming for Prague Week, though uh, to set the Guinness Book of Records, world records, most simultaneous push-ups, there had to be an enormous amount of push-ups. Beyond you, beyond, but all of you, uh, I think you had some fun along the way. Maybe a good use of your epic passes. Huh? That would be reason enough to join. Okay. Yeah. Can you imagine these poor fucks have to sit? They're all standing like at attention. They got to stand through that oh, shit. No. <laughs> God. Shut up, Joe. Shut up. And uh, let's see, uh, they had some reactions. Uh, Ron DeSantis, again, he reacted to President Biden falling on the stage. Let's now, listen to this. He did see, I think a lot of people saw, he had a fall at this Air Force uh, event. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if he sustained injuries, but I just want to say that um, uh, we hope uh, and wish Joe Biden a swift recovery from any injuries he may have sustained. But we also wish the United States of America a swift recovery from the injuries it has sustained because of Joe Biden and his policies. Oh, zing. All right. Very good one, Ron. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, you know, Donald Trump was going to weigh in as well. Here Now, I have to say, you guys remember back when Trump, he was at, a, 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 I think it might have been West Point, but remember when he slowly walked down the ramp because it was like raining and slippery and he's holding the handrails? That prompted, like, Two days, round-the-clock coverage. Oh, look at him. He is sick. He is ill. He's not fit for office. Joe Biden eats shit, like, hard. If you haven't seen the video, go watch. Like, I'm shocked he didn't break a hip. And everybody, and instead the media is like, oh, he, he bounced back up from that like he was a teenager mister, which he didn't again. But no, they completely dismissed it. Like, the man is, the man has dementia. Anyway, here's Trump talking about uh, Biden here. He's calling on a reporter. The reporter's going to shout it out. He did? <laughs> he 
He just fell on what stage? He's at the Air Force Academy. He actually fell down? Well, I hope he wasn't hurt. I hope he wasn't hurt. But it's the whole thing is, look, the whole thing is crazy. You got to be careful about that. You got to be careful about that because you don't, you don't want that. Even if you have to tiptoe down a ramp, you got to tip. Yeah, see? He's alluding. He's alluding. Because that was the best speech I think I've ever made. And it was pouring rain, and it was horrible and cold and horrible. windy. And they have a horrible. ramp that was pure like an ice skating rink. And it was like 25 feet long, and I talking to the general, and he has boots on, you know, big combat boots, and they're rubber soles. And I have nice leather, good. Nice. And uh, <laughs> I say, you know what, general, get ready. If I grab you, you just get ready, because I got this stupid ramp that somebody put up, and uh, there's no stairs, right? And I said, so I tiptoed down. And I suffered for that. They never covered my speech. But everybody, the, the smart people understood that. No, he's, he's right. Yeah, let me stop there. Yeah, he's right. No, they went after him hard. Yep, that was some funny shit. And then at uh, Kamala Harris, I know you guys like her. She was at the West Point uh, commencement ceremony. Of course, she said uh, the military strength lies in diversity. There's no evidence of that, by the way. But, yes, she became the first woman to address a graduating class at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. You know, in an eight, listen to this, in an 18-minute speech, she noted that the nation's military has evolved in the last 75 years from an institution once dominated by white men to one more open to women and minority groups. Who cares? Why do you think anybody wants to sit through that? You should be, if, like, they invited me to be a speaker, first of all, I'd be 50 times better than Kamala Harris. I wouldn't even need a script. Give me, like, three three-by-five note cards and a pencil. And I would give a far more interesting speech, and I would talk about, like, how they're all going to get out there and start killing and dropping bombs, bro. Yeah. That's what they want to hear. You're going to break some shit. You're going to fuck some people up. God. Instead, she's talking about breaking barriers. Just shut up. Anyway, I have a clip from it. This snooze fest. This is a hilarious. I have not listened to this. I just read the description, but I want you guys to listen to this clip here. And so as I look out at you, I know that you will build on that leadership because, of course, your generation grew up online. Technology that might be intimidating or unfamiliar to other generations to you is exciting and intuitive. You see what can be unburdened by what has been. Oh no, she did the line. You have the agility (laughs) and the ability to bring that potential (laughs) to life. Okay. So first of all, I didn't know that line was coming. She did the unburdened by what has been line again. Guys, how many times have I played her saying that line? She thinks that is a fucking... That is heat, dude. She's like, that line is straight fire, son. I gotta drop it in every speech. Okay, that's funny enough. But what I thought was funny is, like, what year does she think this is? Technology that might be intimidating or unfamiliar to other generations to you is exciting and intuitive. What does she think this is, like, 1992? Bro, my parents are in their 70s, and they're on fucking uh, the iPads more than me. They know how to use everything. Like, we know how to fucking use a computer, Kamala. I just thought that was funny and stupid. Uh, Just some more uh, brief uh, for the political roundup. 
Uh, Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General. Remember I told you the Republicans voted to, uh, they're voting to impeach him? Well, he is now temporarily suspended after the Texas House did vote that way. Yeah, they voted last Saturday to impeach Ken Paxton, and that temporarily removes him from office over charges that he had used his elected position to benefit himself and a campaign donor. A statewide office holder in Texas had not been impeached in more than a century since uh, the legislature voted to oust Governor James Ferguson in 1917 for embezzlement and misuse of public funds. Yeah, and this was a... If the Republicans didn't want this, this would not have happened. So he must have done this shit. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, and then DeSantis, he stepped up his attacks on Trump, finally. He's hitting him on crime and COVID. DeSantis is like 30 points behind. If I'm Ron DeSantis at this point... You got to come out guns blazing in every if you want a shot in hell. Yes, that will turn off the hardcore MAGA people. But what if you if you just sit there and let Trump bash you all the time, you have no shot. So that's what I would be doing. I would be talking shit about Trump. I'd be look at all the goofballs you hired, you fucking moron, you idiot, you stupid idiot. <laughs> that's what I'd be doing. I'm like, hey, Trump, nice hiring. Scaramucci was so cool and effective. Oh, Michael Cohen. Wow, what a good choice you made with that one, Trump. That's what he should be doing. So... Again, you know, yeah, the MAGA people get mad, but otherwise you have no shot. Uh, Here is a clip of DeSantis uh, talking about Trump. So you talked about uh, changing your tone a little bit with former President Trump. I don't believe you mentioned him here by name tonight, but does this mean you're going to be a bit more aggressive with campaigning against him? So look, I'm going to respond to uh, attacks. I mean, if when, when, no, if you, you should go on attack. Did a better job with COVID than Florida did. First of all, that's not what he used to say. This is like new. Like six months ago, he would have never said that, right? He used to say how great Florida was. Hell, his whole family moved to Florida under my governorship. Are you kidding me? Um, so, so some of this stuff, I think, is look. If someone is saying that, I am gonna, I am gonna counterpunch. I'm gonna fight back on it. I'm gonna focus my fire on Biden. And I think he should do the same. He gives Biden a free pass. Um, I'm focusing on Biden. That's my focus. Yeah, okay. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. You should focus on Biden. But the thing is, Ron, you are 30 points behind Trump. It's not like you're within like five points. Then I would say, yeah, that's smart. So you won't get a chance to focus on Biden at all unless you beat Trump in the primary. So I, you know, I would I would honestly do it the other way around. I mean, I would say shit about Biden, talk about his border disaster and everything else, but I would definitely focus on Trump. And another line of attack you could do: Trump has no loyalty to anybody he worked with. Did you see Trump came out and attacked his own press secretary? Yeah, Kayla McEnany, however you pronounce that. Yeah, he really like. Uh, Came out hard on his Truth Social account against her. And that chick was super... That chick stood up there and fucking took all the slings and arrows for stupid Donald Trump for a long time, dude. Yeah, that was Trump's former spokeswoman. And then... So Ron DeSantis came out and defended her. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. A a super PAC political action committee backing DeSantis. They came out. And... 
yeah, it's uh, it's there's yeah, the, she fucking defended Trump a lot, and then she can, and then he comes out, and he called her milk toast. He actually spelled it wrong. Yeah, he put out on Truth Social quote Kaylee Milk Toast McEnany just gave out the wrong poll numbers on Fox News. I am 34, 34 points up on D Sanctimonious, not twenty five points up. End quote. Oh, he went on to say, quote, while 25 is great, it's not 34. She knew the number was corrected upwards by the group that did the poll. The rhinos and globalists can have her. Fox News should only use real, all caps, stars, end quote. <coughs> See what I mean? Yeah, and he spelled it M-L-I-K, toast. The proper term is M-I-L-Q-U-E, toast, if you didn't know that. But yeah, he's got like no loyalty to his people who stood up for him. Uh, AOC held a town hall, and uh, that devolved quickly. Let's hear some of the chaos from this. They're screaming up migrants here. <laughs> Where are you on the migrant issue? You're absent, American citizen. You're throwing out your throne. You're throwing out your throne. You're better job in this country. Where are you? You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. There he goes. Okay. Okay. Vato. The president has come out saying that he more. also believes that he has this authority. What he has also said is that he is not sure as he, if he is able to implement the authority in time for the June 5th deadline. And so that is where we see kind of this impasse. I still believe, first of all, that we should start to implement it anyway because we should eliminate the debt limit in the United States because of the Constitution. I don't like that. I don't like that Republicans passed a 1.7 trillion tax cut on the wealthiest people in this country. Okay, that's funny. So the guy who said turn off Fox News, I have to say this. This is funny. He's wearing a mask, and he had pulled down his mask around his chin to scream at that guy to turn off Fox News. <laughs> uh, one more for the political roundup. Um, I'm sorry. I've got two more. Uh, I have one. Did you see this clip of Representative Democrat Jamal Bowman from New York? I've played a few of him before. He's a New York City guy. 
This is complete lunacy. Listen to what he says in this clip. You're not going to believe number it. One, we need to stop drilling for fossil fuels completely. But number two, we need an expedited way to get us to clean, renewable energy, or we will continue to have these severe weather events that we have been having for quite some time and because of the warming of the planet. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. And he, so he said we need to stop drilling for fossil fuels completely. And stupid Wolf Blitzer from CNN, that old hack, he's just sitting there. Instead of being like, uh, Representative, are you completely insane? Do you know what would happen if we stopped drilling for fossil fuels? Do you know the millions of people that would instantly be transformed into street beggars overnight? Are you fucking out of your mind, you lunatic, you idiot? That's what a real anchor would do. That's why BK needs to be on CNN. Fucking Wolf Blitzer, you old hack. Just go and suck somebody off in your house in the Hamptons, dude. Fucking pathetic. All right. Oh, uh, by the way, Steve Garvey, the former baseball player, he's uh, checking. He might run for Senate in California. Yeah, he'll lose, even though he's a baseball hero. Uh, he will probably lose because uh, he is running as a Republican or plans to. And then I'll finish with Donald Trump for the political roundup. He is asked about parental rights in schools. Since your last term in office, there have been a lot of attacks on education in terms of censorship and all of that. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on parental control and that kind of thing within school, school choice, and yeah. all of that. Education is very important to me, so sure. wanted to hear your thoughts on that. So Thank big, you. very good question. Congratulations, by the way. Good. Were you a good student? Were you good? Pretty good. Okay, just pretty good. She just got a $180,000 scholarship, a Naval oh, wow. scholarship to go to Yale. Wow. Oh, wow. She's very modest. She's very modest. That's fantastic. That's great. Congratulations. Uh, very big on, on school choice. Can you imagine we even have to Nobody's big on school choice than me. Control and having parents, basically having parents get involved. We have school systems that don't even want to talk to the parents about their children. And you talk about changing gender and things where the child can make a choice and the child can be unbelievably young. The country has gone sick. It's gone sick. And I don't like the term woke because I hear woke, woke, woke. You know, it's like just a term that use half the people can't even define it. They don't know what it is. But you look at these things like uh, women getting, you know, competed with, with, you know, men that were men and are men, and they're out there swimming and setting records. You see the records that are being broken? Uh, records that lasted for 19 years are being broken by, you know, 30 seconds. They're trying to win by a 16th of a second for in swimming on one of the events. A 16th of a second they're trying to win for years. And a guy comes along and breaks the record by, you know, numbers that will never be broken again. Unless uh, you have another guy come along, and then you'll probably have it broken. The whole thing is uh, is crazy. I'm not a fan of LeBron James, but I said, you know, if I were the coach of a women's basketball team, I would have the greatest team. I'd say, uh, LeBron, would you like to become a woman? <laughs> and, and I'd go to another four or five big guys, and I'd say, how about... We will be undefeated for many, many years. There will never be anything like it. I'll have the great. I'll be. I'll go down as the greatest coach in history. Oh man, oh, I love. I cannot wait for campaign twenty twenty four. This is going to be a hoot because I'm going to have. I'm going to have all Trump material every every week. Okay, that's your political roundup, guys. Congratulations.
Uh, important story here is, you know, this on my long-running series of uh, the uh, sick, as Trump would say, DAs, district attorneys, a Los Angeles man who avoided prison for a near-fatal stabbing has now been charged with his neighbor's murder. Stephen Sutherland, in 2020 November, stabbed a construction worker in the neck because he was working too loudly. I swear to God, he got no jail time for that. Instead, he got mental health diversion. He's 31. Even the L.A. probation department said, no, this guy can snap at any time. They wanted him put in prison. But District Attorney George Gascon sought mental health diversion instead. And that crime, by the way, here's where, and Gascon is a weasel. Because Gascon came out because, anyway, this dude on May 23rd, he went up to his neighbor, Jennifer Gomez, Right? They had previously clashed over noise complaints. I guess he had enough. He went up there and he shot her 19 times in her home. And Gascon comes out and he's like, well, you know, it's a tragedy, but, uh, you know, the judge said that he was eligible for this mental diversion. But here's the thing. George Gascon, instead of charging him for attempted murder on that construction worker, he charged him with assault with a deadly weapon. That construction worker almost died. He was stabbed in the neck. That's attempted murder. If you try to stab somebody in the neck with a knife, that's attempted murder. And uh, that's what that's what you have to deal with out here. You have prosecutors who absolutely refuse to put people in prison. And in that light, I thought this clip was hilarious. This is up in uh, the Bay Area. Uh, the these are uh, this appears to be a transgender woman uh, whining about uh, all the criminals that the people they voted to put in office are letting roam around the street. Now they're crying about it in public comments. Let's listen to this clip here. I understand it comes to a place of hurt, generally when people are being violent, on some level, in some form, it's coming from a place of hurt. No. Sure. But if they're doing hundreds of gunpoint robberies, mostly to women, to people of all races, where I have lived in poverty my whole life, it makes it hard for us to keep jobs, to find jobs, to live life, to fight through mental health issues, to fight through our poverty. And it's not just one demographic of women, it's all kinds of women being targeted. This is systemic violence as well. And, and there's, more, there's more than that. Yeah, well, you, you know, uh, how about you vote for so fucking somebody else, guy? You won't. All right. Let's go to Michigan. This was, I covered this back when it happened, but do you remember the, the killing of the radio news anchor and his family? This story is very bizarre, and I feel there's a lot being left out that they're not telling us. So Arthur Williamson, a Detroit area man, he has been sentenced to life in prison for the killing of a radio news anchor and, and attacking the anchor's family, right? There's some weird domestic situation happening here. Uh, here's what happened. Back in September, overnight anchor Jim Matthews was found bludgeoned with a hammer in a city northeast of Detroit. Authorities have said that the killer, Williamson, who's 55, was a friend of the victim, Matthews' girlfriend, Nicole, Nicole Guerton. Okay? That's weird in itself. Guerton and the 10-year-old son and 5-year-old daughter she had with the news anchor Jim Matthews were also injured. The boy was struck in the head with a hammer and left tied up in a closet, right? 
So Guertin testified during the trial that Matthews was working a late shift, the news anchor, when Williamson, the killer, came to their home to smoke crack cocaine and bring heroin. Guertin said that when she refused to role play and tie herself up, Williamson slashed her throat and zip-tied her wrists and ankles. Then, then Matthews arrives home, and he was struck with a hammer and stabbed and killed. And, and NBC News just leaves it at that. And I'm like, wait a minute. So this 55-year-old dude, Williams, he's buddies with the dude's girlfriend, and he's allowed to come into the house to smoke crack and do heroin and ask her to role play. Is this some sort of cuck situation going on here? That's what I think. What else would it be? But they don't point out any of that. And, and NBC News and all the other news outlets that I could see, they just casually print that, oh, yeah, he just came over to like smoke some crack and want to do some role play. And I'm like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Something, I just thought that was bizarre. God, the news media is so delicate, aren't they? It's fucking pathetic. All right, uh, let's see. Let's go to a couple more. Uh, what's this one? Uh, I want to do a quick, uh, some more inter- international uh, news. Let me get to them. Uh, let's first go to uh, North Korea. North Korea says, uh, you guys probably saw that there was an alert in South Korea. Well, the North Korean rocket launch had triggered a false alarm evacuation alert in South Korea. That was on Wednesday. North Korea launched a space vehicle carrying its first military reconnaissance satellite designed to monitor the South Korean and American militaries, South Korean defense officials said, briefly triggering false alarm evacuation alerts in South Korea and Japan. South Korean military indicated hours later that the North Korean launch had been a failure, saying that the rocket fell in waters west of South Korea after an, quote, abnormal flight, end quote. North Korea admitted that the second stage of their new rocket had malfunctioned and uh, it sank. But yeah, as the rocket went towards the south, an, autom- an automatic emergency text message told citizens in Seoul to, quote, prepare to evacuate, end quote, for fear that debris from the rocket might fall on the South Korean capital. So they had to retract that. Damn, it's scary, dude. And uh, let me see here. And North Korea continues to work on their nuclear program, putting out a, quite a bit of propaganda by it. They are they release some kind of photo, and the analysts say it is intended to send a clear message that the North has achieved multiple significant advances for its nuclear arsenal while the world was looking elsewhere. Because there's a picture of Kim, Kim Jong-un, and he's next to a nuclear warhead. And North Korea says that that nuclear warhead is smaller than anything it has produced before. Now, they don't know if it's a real warhead, but if it is real, this size warhead could fit on missiles that could hit South Korea and Japan. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating stuff. These new short-range ballistic missiles that the small warhead is designed for are hallmarks of the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's effort to modernize his missile fleet. So now North Korea is using solid fuel, that's considered a significant upgrade instead of liquid fuel, to power the missiles, which makes the missiles easier to transport, faster to launch, and harder to intercept. So now if you're South Korea or Japan, you got to worry about another nuke falling on your head. That's nice. 
And uh, speaking of that part of the world, China has announced a plan to land astronauts on the moon by 2030. Yeah. That is a, uh, that's the highest level confirmation of China's ambitions for a crewed lunar landing. They had kind of talked about this in a less formal capacity, uh, but this is now kind of like a set in stone because the government's coming out and saying like, yes. And uh, let me see here. The chief designer of China's lunar exploration program said last month that a 2013 landing would be, quote, no problem, end quote. And in a news conference on Monday, quoting a Mao Zedong poem, Lin Shi Quang, the deputy director of China's manned space agency, said, quote, we can grasp the moon in the ninth heaven, end quote. Yeah. Yep, they're going to try to do some short-term, short-term stays there. A manned lunar landing would be a huge milestone for China's space exploration. No human being has been on the moon since the U.S. Apollo missions in the 60s and 70s. And that is obviously intended to counter us because we also have a plan, NASA does, to put people, as the news media is very excited to point out, including the first woman and first person of color on the moon again, they have a target of 2025. That is called the Artemis program, the NASA program, but that is face delays. So we'll see when it actually happens. Very exciting. I love, I love space shit. Let's go back to Africa. Oh, boy. The State Department is really unhappy with this one. The Ugandan president did sign that anti-gay law. <laughs> that includes death penalty as punishment. This law is among the most restrictive kind in the world. And uh, this is a big uh, crackdown on LGBT people in the conservative East African nation of Uganda. He dismissed widespread calls to not not to impose this. So the law calls for life imprisonment for anyone who engages in gay sex. Anyone who tries to have, <clears throat> excuse me, same-sex relations could be liable for up to a decade in prison. So if you, you actually uh, do some buggery, you get life in prison. Anybody who tries to do some buggery could get 10 years in prison. And then you'd get the death penalty for anyone convicted of, quote, aggravated homosexuality, end quote. That is a term defined as acts of same-sex relations with children or disabled people, those carried out under threat or while someone is unconscious. That carries a sentence of up to 14 years. And President Yaweri Museveni uh, basically gave the big middle finger to us, the United States, the UK, the European Union, and uh, said, no, that's uh, our land and that's what we're going to do. As a matter of fact, the Speaker of Uganda's Parliament, a female, Anita Annette Among, first announced, she was the first person to announce on Twitter that President Museveni had signed the bill. And she wrote, quote, I thank my colleagues, the members of parliament, for withstanding all the pressure from bullies and doomsday conspiracy theorists in the interests of our country, end quote. Yeah, so now all the gays are uh, <clears throat> fleeing the country. And uh, the archbishop of the Church of Uganda, the Reverend Stephen Samuel Kazimba, he said in February that gay groups were, quote, recruiting our children into homosexuality, end quote. 
It is known officially as the Anti-Homosexuality Act. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? They actually, so it was first passed in March, but Museveni sent the legislation back. He wanted a clear distinction between being gay and engaging in gay sex. So but you can be gay. You just can't uh, go down the old dirt road. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, they don't give a fuck, dude. They said this is our country, you know? I don't know what's going to happen to Uganda. Who's going to tastefully interior design all of your government buildings, huh? Tell me that. Who is going to work in your burgeoning film industry? Gays are very talented, motivated. Leave the gays alone. BK is for the gays. That is known. Everybody knows that. Leave the gays alone. I would suggest uh, you gay people not be in Uganda anymore, if I were you. And let me see here. Uh, many of you guys, back to India for a second. A lot of you guys sent me this story very excitedly. Yes, the Indian official who drained a reservoir because the fucking idiot dropped his phone into it has been suspended. Rajesh Vishwas, a food inspector, used a diesel pump to empty part of a reservoir where he had lost his fucking phone. What an idiot, dude. He's only 32. He was picnicking with friends in central India on May 21st when he dropped his Samsung Galaxy S23 Ultra into the Parlcott's Reservoir. It was a new model, 1200 bucks. He decided he had to have it back. Initially, some villagers he knew spent two days diving in the reservoir in an attempt to retrieve the phone. So, no luck there. So he got a diesel pump and drained about three feet of water over another two days. That is enough to irrigate 1,500 acres of farmland. <laughs> he said later he had received oral permission to do this. Oh, fucking moron, dude. Oh, and by the way, yes, by the t he did find the phone, and guess what? It didn't work anymore because it was underwater for two, three days. Moron. Yeah, so hopefully he'll be fat. He'll be... Uh, he should be fired. I mean, you'd think India is among the world's most water-stressed countries. Yeah. He's claiming that news reports of his phone retrieval operation have been greatly exaggerated. But a district magistrate in the area disagreed. A female. Uh, she said local farmers relied on to irrigate these females, and she added, quote, he will face consequences for draining the water, and this won't be tolerated, end quote. And good. You should be executed, frankly. All right. Let's keep going. Uh, let's do a more uh, military stories here. <coughs> this is great. Oh, my God. The woke vets, you guys, last night are shitting themselves. The Pentagon has forbid drag events on base after Republican criticism. Oh, my God. That's right. Yep. The drag show at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada was canceled. And I think uh, I got no, no credit here, of course. But if you guys recall, BK was the first person to break that there was a drag show scheduled on Nellis Air Force Base. You guys remember that? Like last year? My Twitter followers? Yeah, and that tweet went viral. And that got picked up. So... They're complaining about this. And this is all about Pride Month. Happy Pride, by the way, to my homosexual... Listeners, I love you deeply. Not in that way, of course. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but yes, the Defense Department said, no, no more drag shows at U.S. military. 
installations, which would be fine. And, and I have to say, so of course all the stupid woke vets put up pictures of British dudes in World War II wearing dresses, loading guns to repel an attack. They were apparently getting dressed to entertain each other. And they were like, see, this is a long tradition in the U.S. military. And I'm like, a uh, moron. Fucking dudes having a bit of levity towards each other at a forward operating base in the heat of nonstop combat is just fucking slightly different than hiring, by the way, non-soldiers, non-combatants, disturbed men in thongs and dresses to come into your peacetime base far from any combat and perform for obese diversity and inclusion officers. See if you can spot the difference there. It's just they're they're just clown. and all you navy guys and I yes, like I saw the pictures of the shellback tradition. That's not the same thing grabbing a fucking mop part and putting on your head to simulate a wig. You're all soldiers and military members. These guys were bringing in like professional weird drag performers who were all gay, by the way, I assume. So it's not the same thing. And then even if it was the same thing, I'll do you one better. So if a guy tries to argue about that, I would ask that. And none of them respond to me because they have no argument because the steel trap mind is far superior to theirs. They know they can't win. They know it's a losing battle because not only will I out-logic them, I will out-intellect them. I will humiliate them, call them many names, give them the fucking virtual knife hand, and they go into the fetal position. They can't handle it. But I would say, like, okay, let's say you're right. You're right. Okay, there's nothing wrong with drag shows. Then can I... Staff Sergeant BK, or whatever my rank would be, could I hire local strippers? And they can keep their clothes on, but they're going to wear the same outfits, right? They're going to wear the bra and panties of the drag performers. But instead of men with stubble and bellies, they're going to be smoking hot chicks, right? And they perform the exact same dances and everything else as the male drag show. Right? Do you think that would be fucking tolerated even 15, 20 years ago? Do you think that officers would be attending such a show? I'm talking put, they do the exact same dance and song routine, these strippers. Hot strippers, dude. Huge racks. Fucking ass hanging out. The thongs, they're twerking just like the dudes, right? Do you guys think in a million years that would be tolerated? Of course not. Do you think the commander of the base would come by and sit in on that and laugh and clap? No, absolutely not. Do you think any officer would show their face in that on if I did that on Nellis Air Force Base? Obviously not. So then what's the fucking difference? And for the record, they, that would be inappropriate as well. It's a stupid use of government resources. So... Get rid of them both. But the fucking woke vets crying about this. Oh, I couldn't handle it anymore. I've got some audio about this. Uh, let's uh, go back to March 29th. I uh, recall playing this on the podcast, but remember uh, Congressman Matt Gates was asking Defense Secretary... Lloyd Austin III, uh, about this. Let's hear this. And at Nellis Air Force Base, you had the Drag U Nellis on June 17th. Who funded these things, Mr. Secretary? Listen, uh, drag shows and, uh, are not something that the Department of Defense uh, supports or funds. So. Well, wait, why, why are they happening on military bases? I just, I just showed you the evidence. Why are they happening? I will say again. This is not something that we support or fund. 
you so you think hosting a drag queen story hour on a military base <laughs> isn't supporting the drag queen story hour? I stand by what I just said. But, but you may stand by it, but it's belied by the evidence over and over again. I mean, are, 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 are you aware of the uh, piece? Uh, Biden's military, Air Force Base in Montana, holds drag show, drag queen story hour for kids in the Western Journal. Are you aware of that? I doubt it, dude. Again, I will but, say what I said yeah, You're saying what you're saying, but I guess it just doesn't comport with the fact. Okay, so obviously Lloyd Austin has, you know, uh, tons of shit to deal with. So no, he doesn't probably know. He probably didn't know anything about that. And these were local fucking idiot officers putting this on because they're all sick people. So no, I don't. And then so Austin probably behind the scenes is like, hey, no more of this shit. Put it down. Put it down the chain of command. You want to do that shit? Dude, you're all adults. Go to the fucking bar. Have all the drag shows you want, dude. Have the drag show, dude. Suck off. Every military officer in attendance, dude. Just go there. Finish all over them. Finish on the wigs. Finish on the thongs. Finish on the chest hair. Just finish everywhere, dude. Have it, as I've said before, just fucking dripping down the walls. Go do it. You don't get to do it on base. And that is such a fucking huge calamity because this movement is about so much more than just wanting to do a drag show. And everybody knows it. All right, uh, just quickly, a few other military stories. Major General, who served at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, is going to lose two stars and retire as a colonel. That was uh, General William T. Cooley. He was convicted last year of one specification of abusive sexual contact against his brother's wife. So they busted him down. Yeah. The, uh, he was reported to have touched his sister-in-law after a Sunday evening backyard party in New Mexico in 2018, forcing his tongue in her mouth, forcing her hand to his genitals, and pushing his hand between her legs and cupping her breast. They found, they found Cooley, 57 years old, um, guilty of uh, some of it, but he was acquitted of a few other ones of them. So... That's a big thing. That's a that's a three star general getting knocked down or two star two star general. Sorry, yeah, knocked down a colonel. So, and then meanwhile, the DOD also came out and said that uh, Chinese spies disguised themselves as tourists and tried to infiltrate multiple U.S. military bases in Alaska, including one where they blew past the security checkpoint. Yes, this was at Fort Wainwright in Fairbanks. The vehicle was stopped. The occupants claim to be tourists, but a search of their car revealed a drone. A lot of this stuff is classified, so it's hard to, you know, really pry it out. But uh, they say that security at military bases has been beefing up in response to this. You know, we've had the Chinese balloon. We've got those Russian bombers that like to buzz Alaska every once in a while. So... Watch out. Yeah, the carload of Chinese tourists. Yeah, you're getting searched, bro. That's right. Yeah, definitely want to racial profile that one. I don't care. Uh, quick update. Uh, <laughs> Joe Biden's non-binary nuclear official. Yeah, old Sam Britton. He has been released from jail. Very exciting. On bond. You guys remember last week I told you he'd been arrested for stealing that African designer's luggage in 2018? Yes, he's been released in jail. He was in jail for two weeks, though. And uh, the non-binary 
Sam Brinton is now free to go steal as much luggage as he want. A lot of you guys sent me this one too, and I regrettably had to pass on that it was either fake news or at least they're desperately trying to cover it back up. This is the AI-controlled military drone that went rogue and killed, air quotes, the human operator. This is a simulated test. This was not an actual drone and not an actual test. This is all simulation. But uh, they are kind of going backwards on it. A top U.S. Air Force official is saying now he misspoke when he said that AI-controlled military drone went rogue. And that was USAF Colonel Tucker Hamilton. He just shared that story at a news conference in London. And now he's clarifying that the incident never occurred, and it was a hypothetical, quote, thought experiment, end quote. Well, he seemed to be pretty... Yeah, he seemed to... uh, Yeah, somebody must have talked to him, because he told a whole story about this. He said uh, during this conference, he said, quote, so what did it do? It killed the operator. It killed the operator because that person was keeping it from accomplishing its objective, end quote. But then on Friday, Hamilton said in a statement... Notice he doesn't come out this time. That he uh, uh, that he misspoke, and he said, "quote We've never run that experiment, nor would we need to, in order to realize that this is a plausible outcome." End quote. Well, you didn't say this was a hypothetical example, like you did in your statement. You sounded like this happened. I bet this did happen. Okay, uh, a couple more international news here. Three Israeli soldiers were killed near the Egypt border. Yeah, by an Egyptian policeman. Mm-hmm. Egypt's military said its security officer had crossed a checkpoint while chasing drug traffickers. And um, the Israeli military has said that the shootings were assumed to be connected with a drug smuggling operation that they had carried out overnight. According to the army, two Israeli soldiers, a man and a woman, posted in a remote spot along the border were shot dead early on Saturday morning. Their bodies were discovered after a senior officer was unable to contact them. Another soldier was wounded in that exchange. Hours later, after a search operation, the alleged attacker was encircled and there was a shootout. A third soldier was then killed, along with the gunman, who they said was that Egyptian policeman. So the Egyptian military puts out a statement that was apparently vaguely worded that said their security officer was pursuing drug smugglers. Hmm. They did find, the Israelis did find about uh, $400,000 in contraband during that operation, so, oh, something fishy there. Uh, Quickly, uh, the, uh, quickly on the border, you guys have heard me talk about the CBP-1 app, which is just a, basically a way of magically waving a wand and making illegal aliens now legal aliens. Yes. The U.S. is planning to admit nearly 40,000 asylum seekers per month through that app. That is huge. That's, that's in addition to our massive legal immigration. That's crazy. They are preparing the Border Patrol to distribute 1,250 appointments each day, or 38,750 each month, to migrants in Mexico so they can present themselves at ports of entry for an opportunity to be allowed inside the country to request asylum. But the, the problem is, is nobody like is meeting them 
at the border right there and saying like, okay, what's your story? Give it, give me the, give me the thirty second pitch. No, they don't. Once they have the appointment, they're let in, and then they get an order to appear at a court, which we already know. I told you last week is like four years down the road, and then they're going to be released. Yeah, the ABC News or CBS News right here. Uh, once they appear at the southern port of entry, U.S. officials generally release them with an immigration court hearing in their respective destination. Unfucking believable. And you know what? The migrant, the illegal alien advocates. This is hilarious. They're critical of this, even though they're getting everything they want. They say that this penalizes the most poor immigrants who don't have smartphones or an internet connection. Okay, you know what? That's not our fucking problem. Go make some money and go get a phone. God. It's like, get a, go work, dude. Build your life. Why are we responsible for any, millions of foreigners? That's your problem. Christ. And the, the illegal alien activists are always said, well, this isn't enough spots. Well, so fucking what? This app now is facilitating the largest expansion of illegal alien processing at ports of entry along the south southern border in United States history. Unreal, dude. Since its use began in January, more than 120,000 illegal immigrants have secured appointments to enter through the U.S. I know they're not illegal immigrants until they cross, but... Just bear with me. Have secured appointments to enter the U.S. through CBP-1. During the five years before the coronavirus pandemic, an average of 326 migrants were processed at ports of entry per day. Per day? Now it's going to be 1250 per day. And again, this is just the illegal ones or would-be illegal ones, and it doesn't count all the huge legal immigrant numbers. And then, of course, yes, I know the Biden. What the Biden administration is like? Well, if you don't use this app and you're caught, then you're going to get deported. Again, will you? I doubt it, dude. I fucking doubt you will be deported. This is all just fucking rearranging the chairs, dude. They just, as I told you, they did not want the visual of hundreds of thousands of illegal would-be immigrants parked out and camped on the border. So they came up with this app idea and boom, wave of magic wand. Boom. Now you're legal. Here's your bus ticket. Go into the country. We'll see you in court in five years. Maybe you'll show up. Maybe you won't. Either way, we're not going to come to get you. (laughs) It's so fucking stupid. (coughs) Oh, and by the way, the backlog of cases, 2 million, the asylum cases and growing rapidly. Jesus. Oh, listen to this. Administration officials have also sought to deter illegal border crossings by allowing up to 30,000 migrants from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela to fly to the U.S. directly per month if they have American sponsors. Okay? 30,000. They want to allow up to 30,000. In just several months, that program received over 1.5 million applications. And then CBS News actually writes this sentence. While the number of unlawful border crossings soared to record levels in the days leading up to Title 42's end on May 11th, migrant arrivals subsequently plummeted, defying predictions that the policy's end would trigger a massive increase in migration. They're all being let in. What are you talking about? Wow. Yeah, 
Yeah, but Senator Josh Howley. He said he said this is basically a concierge service for illegal immigrants. Yeah, that's exactly right. <sighs> Unreal, dude. Yep. No border. It's basically doing away with the border and everything but name. Uh, let's see. Uh, quickly here. What else do I want to get to? Um, oh, did you guys see that kid who jumped into the water in the Bahamas and vanished? Fucking idiot. Cameron Robbins, 18 years old. Sad story, but dude, you're dumb. He jumped into shark-infested waters in the Bahamas and promptly disappeared. You guys have all seen the video by now. It looks like there was a shark right there in the water. They searched for a couple days, no sign of him. And it looks like he pretty much got chomped. I'd play the video, but it's just a bunch of people screaming. And uh, Robinson swam away. There was a life preserver out there, and he swam away from it. And I think it's because he sees this white shape, and it does look like a shark of some kind. And he swims away from the shark, but he also swims away from the buoy. And then this is at night, too, by the way, so he vanishes, and it's gone. You guys, I cannot stress you enough. Don't fuck with the ocean at night. I've seen it out here a bunch of times. People go in the ocean. They get all drunk. They want to jump in the ocean when it's warm out and at nighttime, right? And then they disappear. It's fucking dark. We have tides, huge waves. You can't swim and you're drunk. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've done it a few times, but I'm also a really good swimmer, and I know enough to know that, hey, I better not go too far offshore. So don't mess with it. Uh, Chicago leaders have approved an additional $51 million to help pay for the 10,000 migrants who have gone to the city. <laughs> 10,000, wow. Well, El, pa El Paso gets that in like, you know what, a minute and a half? And I told you the other week that the uh, black residents of Chicago are not happy about this. They had a little bit of a town hall, and uh, some of them spoke up. Let us listen to this gentleman. Our next speaker is Andre Smith. The dopey new Chicago mayor is there, that, that left-wing weirdo, Brandon Johnson. He's there. This guy's standing up here. My Bla name is Black Andre guy. Smith, and um, I'm the CEO of an organization called Chicago Against Violence. I also stopped the migrant bus going to Wadsworth and was arrested with my friend Tyrone Muhammad. How dare this mayor and city council have the guts to give migrants $51 million. I demand you to have the same passion and urgency to pass the city of Chicago reparations ordinance. No. And also give us an office for black Americans just like the new Americans. We didn't have the luxury or the opportunity to cross the border. We didn't have the privilege to cross the border. We came over here being raped, stolen, beaten, chained in the bottom of ships. And you give migrants $51 million? <laughs> Have you forgot who you are? Or, or, or let's go to Michael Jackson when he say, look in the mirror. I urge you to get conscious.
Okay, let me stop him there. Hey, hey, buddy, you know what, though? Black people didn't give a fuck about anybody else until uh, in Chicago. The black people in Chicago, they didn't give a fuck about anybody else dealing with the migrants until it affected them. So I understand his point, and he's actually kind of right. But uh, And then also, bro, you, you said we were brought over in ship. You weren't brought over in a ship. You weren't raped. You weren't beaten. Those are your ancestors like six generations ago, okay? And it was wrong then, and I'm sorry that it happened. It wasn't you, okay? But he does have a point. Why should they get all this money? Uh, by the way, just a quick factoid. You guys don't always know I'm talking about like May, Gray, June, Gloom. In the month of May, guess what city in America was the cloudiest spot in the lower 48 states of America? Guess which one? That's right, San Diego. San Diego was the cloudiest city in the lower 48. The average May cloud cover during the day in San Diego was a very gray 82.5%. Crazy stat there. All right. Uh, I got, I'm running out of time here. I got to get to some quick things. Let me go through my audio clips and just make sure that the, the ones I really want to get to, I get to. Uh, let me see here. I don't want to play that guy. He's too crazy. So is he. <laughs> Let me see here. Uh, I got more DeSantis stuff, but uh, I've kind of beaten up to death in any way. Let's listen to this cop. I want to listen to these for you cops out there. I don't know. It's <clears throat> This is the uh, Martinsburg City Police Department. I don't know where that is. So this guy, apparently this guy in a truck drove by some cops and gave them the middle finger, and they pulled him over. Let's hear it. What's the middle finger? Is that a certain hand signal that you got to yeah, give away? Just that. Just, and he just flipped them off it? again. Oh, right, where's your driver's license, registration, proof of insurance? Driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. Is that why you pulled Yes, driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. I can. You're in the middle of a traffic stop. Listen, driver's license, registration, proof of insurance. And his partner's coming Improper up. Improper hand display. Driver's in, license, registration. If I have to say it one more time to provide me with the documents, I'm going to place you under arrest. Under arrest for what? Get out. Get out of the car. There you go. Pull him out of the car. Cuffing him. Send for a record. Let's go. Improper hand displays. Yeah, this ain't gonna, ain't gonna stick, right? Is your body cam on? Is in. it? It is. In. Ow, man. In all the way. They're putting him in the cop car. All right, so the rest of it is that. What, what do you cops think about that? That's kind of fun. I mean, dude, guy flipped you off. I mean, really? Like, if you don't find... I know you want to. Obviously, I sympathize with that. But do, do you think they pulled him over just because they're like, well, anybody who's going to flip us off is going to have something in that truck. But what if there isn't anything in that truck? And what if he isn't speeding or doing anything else wrong? You cops, let me know in the DMs what you would do. You're just going to ignore... I mean, most of you, I'm sure, would just kind of like chuckle and ignore the guy. Or would you go pull him over? I don't know, let me know. All right, so some headlines before I run out of time. I'm, I, this is a new thing I'm going to try. I'm going to try to whip through some headlines here. 
A Haitian businessman gets life sentence in assassination of Haiti's president. You guys remember that one? Rodolphe Jar was given the maximum term by a judge in Miami for the 2021 assassination of President Jovenel Moisi. You guys remember that one? Heavily covered here. Spy deaths on a boat in Italy is sparking conspiracy theories. Four people died when a storm sank a boat in northern Italy. Then it emerged that 21 of those on board had worked for Israeli or Italian intelligence. That's right. 13 of them were from the Mossad. So that is uh, making the rounds up there with a lot of conspiracy theories. A Vietnam activist has been imprisoned for mocking a powerful communist official who is eating a gold-encrusted steak in London. He got more than five years for that. This was activist uh, named... Bui Tuan Lam, he was convicted of conducting propaganda against the state. The official was named General To Lam. He faced a lot of ridicule. So this guy made a spoof of it. They gave him years in prison. Rwandan genocide figure has been caught, accused of having a direct hand in the killing of hundreds of Tutsis. Fulgence Kaishema was arrested in South Africa where he had been on the lam as an asylum sig- uh, figure. Asylum seeker, sorry. Yeah, he'd been he'd been evading the authorities for over 20 years. Authorities say he orchestrated the killing of more than 2,000 Tootsies. He's 61 years old. He has been one of the uh, International Criminal Tribunals for Rwanda's most wanted fugitives since his indictment in 2001. And yeah, he, he fucking personally macheted people to death. I'll recommend that book again, Machete Season. They interviewed a bunch of those guys. Crazy shit. Green Bay pastor accused of sex crimes against a child he met on a mission trip. Corey Herthel allegedly maintained contact online with the child after his missionary work. He is accused of encouraging the boy to send him videos of his genitalia. He is also accused of sending pictures of his own genitalia. (coughs) Jeez. Never ends with these guys. (coughs) One last cough. Let's go. Uh, Let me see. Two dead. I heard it's up to three now. In suspected meningitis outbreak linked to surgeries in Mexico. That's a very popular thing, as you guys know, to go to Mexico for cheap surgery. I myself have gotten dental work there in the past because it's cheap. I won't do it anymore because I've heard too many crazy stories about it. But they say more than 200 others could be at risk from a fungal meningitis in Mexico. So be careful. Uh, Tennessee, speaking of drag queen stuff, remember how Tennessee passed that uh, drag ban, what they called the so-called drag ban? Well, it has been declared unconstitutional by a federal judge in Memphis. This happened late Friday night. The ruling was determined based on the First Amendment and freedom of speech. They're going to have to... Go back to the drawing board there. Uh, Jamie Foxx update. You guys remember I've been covering that because he's been kind of AWOL with the health problems? Well, MSN.com ran an article claiming that uh, a Hollywood journalist is saying, who spoke to a source close to Foxx, that Jamie Foxx is said to be, quote, partially paralyzed and blind, end quote in addition to a series of other complications. They're saying he had a blood clot in the brain, 
And this guy claims it was after he got a COVID shot. And he also claims Fox did not want the shot, but the movie he was on, he was pressured to get it. And they say that was what caused this blood blood clot in the brain. And, you know, either way, I don't know if any of that's true, if he's just talking shit, but that's what the source says. Uh, either way, he's in he's in really bad shape. That's that's really sad. A man went to the CIA gate in McLean, Virginia. And he walked up to the gate and he said, quote, I'm here and I have a gun, end quote. Idiot. Federal officers turned him away and they notified Fairfax County Police of his description. He turned out to be 32-year-old Eric Sandow. He was later arrested and charged with felony possession of a firearm on school property. Because by the time they caught up to him, he was on the grounds of Dolly Madison Preschool, which is less than one and a half miles from CIA headquarters. And I'm looking at the, he had an AK, five mags, handgun, five pistol mags, and a bunch of ammo. Real genius there. Do you remember the, um, that New Jersey councilwoman, Eunice Dwumfor? I talked about her a few months ago. She was uh, mysteriously shot and murdered outside of her Sayreville home back in February. She's like an elected official, so everybody right away was like, wow, what is this terrorism or what? They have made an arrest. They arrested a guy named Rashid Ali Bynum, charged him with first-degree murder. Uh, Yeah, she was only 30 years old. She was a Republican, African-American, quite good-looking. And she died after Bynum allegedly shot several rounds into her SUV. At 7.30 p.m. on February 1st, while her 12-year-old daughter sat inside the house. Damn. Uh, apparently, she did know Bynum. He was listed as a contact in her phone. And it had something to do with, like, a church they were both connected with. I don't know. She, I'm just betting he was some kind of incel. Maybe she rejected his advances, and he took it personally. A man arrested after a shooting spree leaves four dead, one injured in Arizona last weekend. Did you guys even hear about this one? A guy named Iron Byers, 20 years old, was arrested and charged Sunday with four counts of first-degree murder and one count of a attempted first-degree murder. And yes, they do think this is just fucking random. He just decided to go kill a bunch of people. He admitted to shooting them and not calling for aid for any of them because he did not feel like they deserved the aid. Uh, what is this? Is this a hate crime? He's he's a black guy. He's got cornrows. Very, uh, he's mean mugging the camera in his mugshot. I wonder if they were white. There's, did you guys even hear about this? Like, I can't believe, like, normally the media is deeply concerned with a shooting like this. I don't know. Al Pacino. Yeah, fucking knocked up his uh, girlfriend. She's eight months pregnant. Uh, he's 83 years old. Remember I told you about Robert De Niro a week ago or so? Yeah, Robert De Niro is like 78. He knocked up his girlfriend, who's much younger. And now Al Pacino, 80 fucking three years old. She's pretty hot, dude. Oh, uh, De Niro's 79. But uh, yeah, apparently this chick, his girlfriend named Noor Alfala... She banged a bunch of old dudes. Like, she banged Mick Jagger, too. So, that's her thing, apparently. Bill Cosby is going to face a new sex lawsuit from a former Playboy model named Victoria Valentino. This is what I'm talking about. Why wouldn't she have just come out 
and joined the whole fucking slew of women who sued him all at once. Right? Yeah, she's like 80 now. And she's just filing this lawsuit now? That's, I'm skeptical. I mean, I wasn't when all the chicks came out because if 50 women are telling the same story, it probably happened. So why did this chick not join up with that? Now she's just coming out now. It's very weird. Uh, let's do this one. A North Texas school superintendent was arrested in a Houston undercover sex sting. <laughs> this guy looks like such a pedophile. 47-year-old Michael Stevens. Uh, he did make bond. He was in jail on charge of online solicitation of a minor. Prosecutors have released graphic details of his conversations with the undercover officer who he thought was a 15-year-old girl. And uh, Stevens did. He's an Ithaca school district superintendent. And he planned to travel to Houston to have sex with her. And Houston sent... I'm sorry, Stevens... Michael Stevens, the principal, sent nude photos of himself to the officer and requested nude photos of her. And that's what went on. Oh, God. Uh, let me see here. Defendant, yeah, the he asked the undercover officer. Uh, the defendant thought the girl in the photo looked older, but when the undercover officer explicitly said she was 15, he replied, quote, I'm okay with that, end quote. Oh, man, there's all kinds of good stuff in here. I don't have time for it, but he was asking about sexual positions, mentioned doggy style, spanking, mentioned oral, vaginal sex, told her he was masturbating while thinking of her, and then sent photos of his penis. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, if any of you cop my law, I have many, many law enforcement listeners. If any of you guys like have any contacts where you could get me in the room with one of these sting operations just so I could watch the shit the dudes are sending and texting while all you dudes are cracking up and laughing your ass off. I, I would love, I would like that more than a ride along. Frankly, I think that would be great. Canada's be going to become the first uh, country in the world to start putting health warnings on individual cigarettes. Smokers will find a label on each cigarette they light with uh, phrases like cigarettes cause cancer, poison in every puff, tobacco, smarks, tobacco smoke harms children <laughs> on every cigarette. <coughs> oh, this is a good one. Cigarettes cause impotence is going to be printed on the cigarette as well. Great. California has spent 17 fucking billion dollars so far. On the homeless problem, and it's only gotten worse. And now stupid Gavin Newsom wants another $3.7 billion for just next year. Yeah. $17 billion to fight homelessness over the past four fiscal years. Well, California's homeless population between 2014 and 2022 has grown by 50%. They have at least 115 homeless, 100, 115,000 homeless people living in California, and that was last year. I bet it's twice that. See, normal people at this point would go, wow, this isn't working. But this is a whole industry now. It's a whole industry. And you have many bureaucracies and many nonprofits, and they're all making good money. And you never have to show results. It's a, it's a great scam, guys. Like, start a homeless nonprofit. You never have to show any kind of progress at all. And you can pay yourself six figures. 
Republicans are going to hold FBI Director Christopher Wray in contempt for refusing to hand over those documents detailing uh, Biden's part in a $5 million bribery scheme with, scheme with a foreign national. That's good. Good. Yeah, because they said they won't hand him over. So you're going to hold him in contempt. Let's see. New Mexico man, 30 years old, has been charged with murder after killing three people in an outlaw biker gang shootout at a Memorial Day rally. Yeah, this is in Red River. And Jacob David Castillo has been charged with murder. And this is some shit between like rival biker gangs. All right. Quentin Tarantino apparently likes to suck toes. He allegedly paid over $10,000 to slick a stripper's feet until they looked like prunes. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is on, according to a podcast with a, uh, with a, uh, kind of like some strippers and stuff like that. I believe it. I think he's, he's a great filmmaker though. Quentin Tarantino, he can do whatever he wants as far as I'm concerned. Uh, did you guys see the video of the Marines getting jumped at the pier last week San Cle- up in San Clemente? Yeah, three Marines. like uh, They asked a bunch of fucking idiots to stop shooting off fireworks, and they were pummeled by like 40 fucking people. They've arrested like nine so far, so that's good. And then, finally, you guys, I am out of time. I'm already over time. I got to go to the big finish. Get the, You're going to love this one. Let us go to Australia, where they are deporting a New Zealand grandmother. She has been. She has been deported. This is Susan Davis. She'd been living in Australia for more than 30 years when she was jailed in February last year for three years and six months on an admitted charge of grievous bodily harm. She's 57 years old, right? Of course, she was let out. She was jailed just in February last year, right? She's already been let out. She was supposed to do three years, six months. She's already been let out. But she was ordered to reside at the Immigration Detention Center where she where she will remain until she boards a plane for New Zealand. This story's all over. Some some say past tense, like she has been deported. Either way, either she's getting deported or she has been deported. What did Susan Davis do? Well, in 2020, Susan Davis was living with her son and her son's 37-year-old friend in Western Australia. One morning in August of that year, the son and the friend were in the kitchen making breakfast. Davis entered the kitchen, approached the son's friend from behind, and stabbed him in the anus with a kitchen knife that was up to 15 centimeters in length. Yes, you heard me right. In the anus. As a matter of fact, the court detail, the court documents state, quote, the blade had been inserted fully into the victim's anus, end quote. Oh! The victim was wearing underwear and a pair of tracksuit pants. He suddenly felt something in his anus, and when he was stabbed, he reached around to feel the handle of a knife sticking out of his anus. Oh, my God. Did you imagine this shit? She was arguing in her sentence that the stabbing was in self-defense because he assaulted her or something, but apparently this chick is delusional, uh, like 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 literally delusional. She had been diagnosed with schizophrenia 30 years prior, stopped taking her medication. The judge described the attack as very serious, unprovoked, and vicious. Obviously, the victim suffered significant injuries, dude. 
Wow. Fucking went balls deep, dude, with the hilt. Just hilted it right up the corn chute. Mm. That's tough. And her two adult sons said they wanted her to remain in Australia and they'd take care of her. Get out of here. Get out of the country. Good Lord. There you go. Guys, can you imagine you're making some eggs and some grandma takes a fucking kitchen knife and just buries it in the leather Cheerio. Oh, that's rough. There goes the iPad. Guys, I'm spent. The voice is shot. I'm covered in sweat. The veins are popping, though. I'm glowing. The arms are fucking pumped. Very aesthetically pleasing sight. I hope you guys appreciate that, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you do, please consider going to patreon.com and type in BK Actual. Consider supporting the podcast. The uh, patron level has been kind of stagnant for a few months, so if you guys ever thought about joining, it's like a put up a buck a month, buck or two a month, you know, it adds up, and it all makes sure I can keep coming here week in and week out and uh, doing the news for you guys, which I enjoy doing, and I hope you enjoyed that show. Follow me on Twitter at BravoKiloActual and Instagram at BKActual. That's all I have for you. I'll see you next week.